XQ, folks. XQ quality. Better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. This is episode 191 of Channel Massive. I'm Noah. I am Mark. And our special guest this episode is... I'm Bob. Welcome back, Bob. Happy to be here, guys. Hopefully not silent, Bob, because that would be really awkward. Disappointing and anticlimactic. Yeah, it would. (laughs) We've returned to record in live surround sound. Yes, we will be... We will be, this will be in high fidelity audio format. Yes. Audio, Stereo audio, audio. channels. Two tracks. <laughs> two. Count them. Two. Two. Here. We're recording to reel to reel tape, which we will then convert to that. <laughs> From there, it'll go to ADAT. Then we'll bring it back on through to some digital recording stuff. And then finally, we'll use some wax and make a LP, which we will ooh, release. Ooh. Smooth wax. Old school. Yes. Welcome to the smooth sounds of Channel Massive. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's episode 191. Yeah, and if you're a regular listener of Channel Massive, you'll recognize Bob and remember him for all of his re- references to penetration. sounded like a apologize profusely. Which I was saying earlier before we started recording that uh, I was looking forward to seeing how many times he would reference penetration in this episode. <laughs> when you're editing the podcast, will there be an actual ding every time? <laughs> Either that or some counter. porno uh, chick going, eh. <laughs> Actually, we have a sample of Jason impersonating a porno chick going, oh. So you could just use that. <laughs> that sounds disturbing. Yeah, it is quite disturbing. It's disturbing when you know the person that... Yeah. And it's all tied together. Well, and to get that sound, he would always have to touch himself inappropriately, too. Which is, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was I never... think for this podcast, we need to see if we can throw in the word throbbing. Throbbing? Oh, yes. yes. A throbbing headache. <laughs> anyway, yeah. This is going to be a regular show like normal, where we're going to tell you what we've been playing, and we're going to get into listener feedback. And we have a bunch of roundtable stuff that we're going to talk about specifically we want to talk about what's going down in the world of Warcraft. Some points of honesty from Blizzard, which are kind of cool. Yeah. Because we've been talking the last few weeks with all the, holy cow, Blizzard's laid off a bunch of people. And subscriber numbers are dropping. And there's some other stuff that I just can't remember anymore. It doesn't probably oh, matter. BlizzCon being canceled for this year. Yeah, tributing. Star Wars to their So yeah, we're going to talk more about what they think about the future for World of Warcraft and where it's going to go and what's causing issues for it today. We're going to talk a little bit about the next Xbox. Yeah. 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 Sure. Or what it might 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 or might not be. And after last week's epic 2-hour episode, there is inevitably more hysterics around Mass Effect 3 and its ending. <laughs> 
So we have to talk about it that even because spreads to other titles from yeah. Where it, it it could be setting a precedent, and it's something that makes journalists and game developers and publishers and gamers kind of concerned what's going on here, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out and what it can ultimately mean for a world of video games. But before we get into all that, I would like to continue having random scattershot introductions that are more than just providing you roadmaps, but actually touching lightly, just lightly, on other topics. Briefly. Welcome to Introgeddon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last episode I called it Intro Paris, but that just didn't seem yeah. macho enough for Channel Massive. Yeah. So now it's Introgeddon. Intro in, Gedden 1. Penetrating, throbbing insights. <laughs> <laughs> and other stuff. <laughs> they come again and again. So, first of all, something that's popped up in the news, not to continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did no. say that on purpose. <laughs> I did. Pop up in a penetrating fashion. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, Children. <laughs> Walking Dead has gotten dates attached to it. It's gotten a timeline attached to it. It's going to be five episodes made by Telltale Games, who are our current most popular modern masters of traditional adventure games and have been branching out into doing new licensed games. They had a successful Back to the Future series of games, the, whereas it was a continuation of the first three movies. They did a Jurassic Park set of games. Not so well received. Now comes Walking Dead, which is being done in collaboration with Robert Kirkman, who's the original creator of the comic, the original writer. And it's got comic presentation and a mix of 3D and 2D. And it's not a shooter. It's not like Dead Rising or Left 4 Dead or some of the other zombie games that we've really loved. It's Dead Rising wasn't a shooter, though, either. Yeah, it's more of an adventure, action adventure, I suppose. It's kind of a unique game of its own, really. So this one is still different from all of those in that it's got a bit of a more traditional adventure game aspect to it there's still survival moments and reaction button presses that you have to do in order to outrun zombies that are chasing you you have to solve puzzles and you have to talk to characters and they'll detect if you're lying sometimes or they'll remember something that you're saying take it at face value and the the actions that you take the the, the dialogue decisions you make affect how the game flows dang that sounds really fascinating I'm, I'm a huge fan of the zombie genre in general but you know, it, it does seem like we've gotten into, aside from Dead Rising, we've gotten into kind of a rut with zombie games, that it's all basically just, here's a very slow-moving target for you to shoot yeah. at, or a horde of fast-moving, weak targets for you to shoot exactly. at, that sort of thing. So yeah. It'll be really interesting to see something else, especially if they can capture any sort of the, uh, kind of the tension and the suspense that generally tends to characterize more of the zombie movie and book genre yeah. than... Uh, well, I've been playing so many Bioware titles lately that all I can do is think about grinding faction points with Sheriff Rick's wife so I can boink her. And if I'm <laughs> with another child that's not the sheriff's. So that, that has some appeal. I thought, you know, thinking of Bioware titles, I thought maybe all you could visualize was some sort of conversation tree with the zombies. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> So you, you come here often? <laughs> right. Do you have any equipment I can buy? <laughs> <laughs> that could be rather, rather exciting. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this is a game that either of you will check out? Oh, the yeah. first episode's five bucks. I it's pretty cheap. Episodic. I mean, what, Tempted. Yeah, I usually avoid any sort of uh, movie or television related games, except for Star Wars stuff, like yeah. The Plague. But, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds pretty interesting. I would certainly at least check out the first episode and see if it 
if it's worthwhile. It is true, huh? Licensed titles, like they're all based on licensing. Some of their IP tend to. There are a few notable. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, a few mm. notable exceptions, like the Star Wars game you're addicted to. Oh, um, yes, I've heard of that. Yes, but uh, whatever it's called, for the most part, games based on a license, particularly from a movie or a TV show, tend to really, really suck hard. I think we've all been pretty skeptical about the Game of Thrones barrage of uh, uh, games that are being licensed for that. So, yeah. Speaking yeah. of, I did a five episode, the last five episodes of the show, episodes five through ten last night of Game of Thrones. Oh, Man, right. I love that show. It's my second time watching it. It's still just as great. I gotta be honest. Oh, I've only show. watched the first like three episodes or so, but I have really enjoyed them. It's just uh, we're we're having a lot of difficulty finding time to watch things we can't watch when the kids are awake. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's an hour commitment. So we're working slowly through a variety of shows. That show and uh, Breaking Bad and uh, um, a couple other different ones. I've heard that Breaking Bad's really good too. Excellent show. Yeah, really good. And. Mark, was it you who noticed, or was it you, uh, Bob? <laughs> Whatever the hell your name is. Uh, what's your name uh, that noticed this Battleheart developer dropping Android? Oh, I noticed that. Uh, that. That was not me, but I had heard a little bit about that, yeah. So I don't know much about Battleheart. I don't know much about the developer, but I think it's really interesting that this developer is dropping out because dropping Android support and, and keeping iPad, or I guess iOS support, because there's just so many different Android systems and pieces of hardware that you have to develop for that's just not sustainable. Yeah. It's actually quite and, unsustainable. And there are a lot of them. My guess is that since this company was originally a, an iOS developer before they started working on Android, my guess would be that they probably ported their game over with the uh, the Android NDK, where it's native C and C++ code rather than uh, uh, Java code, which is kind of the preferred way of writing Android apps. But, you know, that is something that some game developers do, too, to get additional performance. But then you do deal a lot more directly with the hardware, and you have a lot more issues with differences in the GPU and compatibility issues, that sort of thing. So they may have been better off if they had been writing this natively in the actual native Java um, you know, APIs for, for Android. But that that is definitely something that that and the other thing I think Google really needs to work on and, and I think it mentions it a little bit in this same article that you were kind of talking about on that, is that uh, Apple's done a really good job converting people into, their users into purchasers of apps. And I think a lot of that is because they require a credit card pretty much right. at sign-up, whereas Google traditionally hasn't. And I think they really need to emphasize that more so that there's less of a barrier to buying your first app. Your yeah. credit card information is already there. You just have to kind of authorize the, instead of, you know, on the Android platform, when you first want to buy a game, you're like, that sounds cool, I should buy it. Ah, you know, my wallet's in my coat, and that's out in, you know, at the yeah, hall, yeah. and ah, uh, screw it, never mind. Never do. I'll just only play free games. Yeah, I'll just never get around to it. You know, you keep thinking, it's one of those things you kind of want to do, but you never get around to. They need to do that, and gift certificates is huge, you know, oh, particularly yeah. with the younger market, you tend to be heavy spenders. Everybody buys those iTunes gift cards at the, the grocery store and gives them away to their, you know, nieces and nephews and, you know, brothers and that sort of stuff, and that stuff purely gets spent on songs and apps. So I don't get it. And the, the other thing about it is, you know, we've we've seen like the numbers, and I can't quote them right now, but the like adoption rate of the Android 
platform is insane. Like every oh, yeah. every week, it's like I don't know how many thousands are being sold. And, and I think that ensures that there, you know, even if this one developer drops out, there will always be a steady supply of right. decent quality games for anybody with an Android system because there's enough people there that somebody's going to be making good games for it. Oh yeah, um, and, the, and the price point for the Android platform is much lower than the iPhone, iOS. The entry-level yeah. price point, although, I mean, you can get, you know, if you get the oh, hottest yeah. things, you know, like the uh, the Galaxy Nexus or right. something like oh, that, yeah, they're certainly expensive. Ton, yeah, and there are some superb Android phones coming out pretty soon, some quad-core phones with, uh, you know, the rumors around the Samsung Galaxy 3. Just, I mean, the resolution on that thing is supposed to blow away the uh, the current iPhone resolution. Retina display. Yeah, it's supposed oh, to really swamp so it. And it's a uh, AMOLED display, which AMOLED oh. displays have gorgeous color contrast on oh, them. Yeah, that should be awesome. So that could be interesting, but you know, uh, Apple's done a really good job of setting up an environment that's, you know, pretty easy for both the the consumer and the the game developers. So you got to give them credit for that. I do think it's funny, though, how people make such a big deal about fragmentation. Yeah. It's like, boy, is there, there's never been another point in history when developers have to target multiple devices. Wait, oh, except wait. for everything except iOS development. Right. Exactly. Right? This is development on every other platform ever in history, including on Macs, right? right? Because you have lots of form factors there. You have different screens, not just in the, the Apple authorized screens, but anybody can plug a, another monitor, monitor into, yeah, into their Mac, and you have to worry about all that stuff, so... Why wouldn't you just plug another Apple monitor into a Mac? They do make a lot of nice monitors, so yeah. That, but you know, yeah. every a lot of people are plugging in other monitors because it's a better price point. It's oh, yeah. the exact size that they wanted. They already had it. Right. Whatever. <laughs> so it is interesting, though. Some interesting market dynamics going on there. I'm just actually kind of sad that Windows Phone 7 has sucked so badly and hasn't really gotten any adoption. It would have been nice to have a three-way race. Yeah, and they're just like, uh, well, between that and then, of course, the uh, BlackBerry, no more. <laughs> yeah, the, the Whatberry? The Whatberry? The what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was at a uh, uh, um, an Irish pub the other day with my brothers, and they were doing some sort of trivia game. They were starting it up, and the, the announcer guy was saying, you know, trying to get everybody not to use their, their smartphones. And he's saying, so if you have any of these Blackberries or anything, don't look up any answers. <laughs> and I turned to my brother, and I'm like, Blackberries? What is this, 1990? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. As the unfrozen caveman trivia announcer. So speaking of iOS, we've there was a a couple months ago there was a countdown posted with the Baldur's Gate graphic on the internet, and it was revealed that Overhaul Games is doing enhanced editions, upgraded editions of the first two Baldur's Gate games, as well as an expansion pack for each. Which in itself is really cool, yeah. and they're hoping that this is going to give them profits to actually make a third official Baldur's Gate game. That would be awesome. Which would be cool. But what I thought was what was really cool about this is that the Baldur's Gate, these Baldur's Gate enhanced editions are actually going to work on iPad. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Which I thought it was really intriguing, yeah. and it made me think it's like, wow, point and click type of game could work on a tablet and. Yeah. It's been just a as hell deep of a long as time since I played Baldur's Gate, <laughs> but from what I remember, I think that would be a great game for playing on your tablet for just mm. having to sit on the couch or somewhere comfortable and just being able to spend some, you know, deep quality time with it like that. I mean, I, oh yeah, I just just pick up wherever you're at. I, I think that could be phenomenal. 
That's pretty substantial. I mean, the most substantial game I think that always got trumpeted about iPad was Infinity Edge. And, and, you know, I wonder how they were going to manage that with the the sheer volume of content that that game is going to require. Yeah. You know, that's going to, I would Doesn't think... Doesn't it have a lot of speech? Doesn't it, does it have voice acting? Mm-hmm. It's all, it's got it a, did, yeah. It's got a lot of voice. <clears throat> Not a lot just that. by today's standards, but, you know, for its time it did. So yeah. it's going to chew up a lot of storage on people's iPads. That's going to, going to be yeah. an interesting... But by today's standards, that's not as much storage. Because th- when it came out, it was on a... Was it on floppy disks? I don't think it was on floppies. I, th- I think I played it originally on the old Xbox, so it had to have fit on a CD instead of a DVD, right? Several CDs, though, now that I think about it. I remember I had a sleeve thing, and it was like five or six CDs. Oh, wow. It is okay. a lot by today's standards. Yeah, that's still a decent size by today's standards. It's no nowhere near some of the larger titles. It's but not an app store app that it'll allow you to download through 3G. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now that is the oddest limitation that you can't download certain apps over 3G from the Apple App Store. I I was surprised to learn that as primarily an Android user when I started playing around with apples. I was real really surprised to see that as a limitation. What if you don't really if you don't really use anything other than just your cellular connection, yeah. you know, or you've got an un- unlimited connection, that's that's odd to me. Weird thing. Would this make you consider getting an iPad, Mark? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick and easy. Yeah. Hell bent on getting an Android tablet. Yep. Cool. Yep, I am. I I just. I think for my wife, who has heavily invested in iPhone apps, mm-hmm. an, I, an iPad is the next thing for her. But for me, I, I'd rather, much rather have the, you know, flexibility of an Android tablet. And I like some of the innovative stuff they have, like that one. The, was it the Touch or something like that, where you can put the stylus down and well, then put your hand on it? Yeah, that's the Samsung Galaxy Note. Note. They have a yeah. phone, and now they have a 10-inch tablet that do that. That does look really cool. It's, I, it's not that I'm artistic or anything, but it's still cool that you could do that. I just Yeah, I'm not very artistic either, but I would be interested in trying one of those just because, uh, you know, in any variety of smartphones, I sometimes miss carrying, when I used to carry just a pad of paper and a pen, for notes and to-do lists mm-hmm. and things because it, it still was much quicker to be able to jot things down, especially if you wanted to jot something other than just right. you know, a simple word, if you wanted to do a diagram or anything like that. It, it's still harder on any smartphone that I've really tried yeah. or tablet. So it would be interesting if that works as well as it looks like it does online. I haven't had a chance to actually put my hands on one of those yet, but I am intrigued. But I think there's a lot more options there and I think they're rapidly catching up. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more tablet based uh, um, tab- or sorry not tablet based, blah, 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 stylus based tablets and smartphones like that note Yeah. Um, I was reading I am, a couple of the chipset manufacturers Atmel is one of them were uh, um, coming out with touch screen chipsets that have that support built into them well that's too so, cool. You know they can't be advertising that they're doing that if this is a Samsung exclusive so. right, oh, that'd be so cool do you have any interest in stylus. a tablet that ran Windows 8? No. <laughs> Again, a really? quick, simple answer. No interest at all, huh? It no. looks so cool, though. I, you just I don't have... trust Microsoft Windows, huh? I don't trust... Oh, I like... Well, actually, you know, that's a good point. I do like... I like my Windows. Uh, <laughs> Windows. Uh, but just that the, Ever since the Windows, Windows s- Store compared to, like, yeah, Android Store... Yeah, I just store wonder and... how, how much of a real 
Windows platform it'll be. You know, I haven't read much about it, so I'll have to check that out and see, you know, what it's all about. But I haven't enjoyed Windows 8 too much on a test laptop yet. Um, the whole Metro interface thing instead of the start menu really drives me bonkers. But I am intrigued by the idea of a tablet that could actually run more traditional productivity apps, as, or especially right. apps that haven't necessarily been ported, just, you know, bizarre yeah. utilities and things like that. Um, I guess if the tablet had a decent enough processor, it would start to cross the, you know, that barrier, or the, cross that line between mm -hmm. something, you know, so gimpy and everything that's for it is, you know, like a, you know, packaged up and everything versus like a real, a PC in a tablet format. Right, if, right. If it had the power and the battery life somehow yeah. magically, <laughs> you know, that would be really cool. That, that I could go for. Yeah. But, um, right now it seems like an Android tablet's what I want next, but. Any particular one you're thinking of? No, figure. I, I'm kind of waiting for the next version, the next series to come out. Yeah, you know, the next iteration the, of hardware. Yeah, you know, because I think they've been. Every time I've read a real bake off between them all, and then they, if they throw in a iPad two, the iPad two always wins yeah. overall. So I'd like to wait until there's a bake off and the iPad three loses, okay. and then I'll know that we've reached that point in time where it's time for me to get one. That's cool. You know, so that's kind of what I'm waiting. Why iPad 3 versus... Because it's just now, it's out now, so you yeah, assume that that's so always going to win. The latest and greatest. What if it's always going to be like that, though? It can't be. <laughs> it is inconceivable. Jobs is dead. Well, and just the, just the number of manufacturers that are competing on hardware. They have to catch up. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the newer phones coming out, like the H... What is it? The HTC One X and the One S. The S is, I mean, really incredibly slim. The I think it's a dual-core... The um, X is a quad-core phone that's coming out. They're just the specs blow away just about anything. So yeah. I expect to see start seeing some of that stuff on the tablet side pretty soon. That'd happen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I think and Apple will still maintain some advantages, just like they have in the PC market. Right. Um, but I think uh, their overall dominance is is bound to get whittled away a little bit. That's my hope. So after that tablet tangent. But, yeah, which has nothing to do with games. So t tantrum tangent. T tablet tantrum tangent, yes. Speaking of retro stuff, like Baldur's Gate, this Neo Geo X device kind of <laughs> surprised me. Is that yeah. something that you found out there? I, I did, yeah. It seemed like a kind of a nostalgic blast from the past. Because <laughs> I, I actually I remember the Neo Geos I, um, when they were pretty popular. I, it was so expensive. It was prohibitively popular. So I actually yeah. got to play with one. Oh, wow. But I did not see at the time what the big deal was for the incredibly huge cost delta between those. and Yeah, because they're so the similar to Sega Genesis, essentially. Well, they were, they were better. They had a lot better processor and a lot more... Um, memory on the the cartridges because you know, remember this is back in the cartridge yeah. kind of days, but mm -hmm. um, it just didn't seem like enough considering those games were over a hundred bucks was, I think almost, per cartridge. Yeah, it was yes. almost a, it was like a five a factor of five more expensive. Yeah, you mm -hmm. you could basically buy a Genesis times. or a Super Nintendo for the price of one Neo Geo game, right. not counting you know the <clears throat> the console. So it was kind of crazy. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the, the the attraction of a portable handheld Neo Geo is. Considering I just don't think that many people were 
that familiar with the Neo Geo that they're like, God, I really want to play those old games again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like those old Atari joystick devices that have old Atari games so those are kind of cool. put on them. Yeah. This those is like cool, that too. It's a little. Those games were so universal. I mean, almost everybody in knows the thirty to forty-ish yeah age range knows yeah. those games, and yeah. a lot of people younger at least know a little bit of them. So there's a yeah. lot of attraction to wanting to play those again. I saw on a going on a really wild tangent. Um, I saw today a post somewhere about the uh, Amiga has come out with their kind of nostalgic type thing. But it's it's like they did a form factor just like a Mac Mini, and so it looks like an Amiga Mini. Oh, cool! Those are a great form factor. It's like an an Amiga. I think it's a thousand X, and that's funny because the main they have a five hundred X and a thousand X, and the old Amigas were five hundred A and a thousand mm-hmm. A or a thousand or something like that. So it it's like basically running a i seven core processor. Um, and it's got all this stuff in it, you know, it's like basically like everything but the kitchen sink has been thrown into this thing, but the cost is $2,500. Yeah, that's a little expensive. Oh. And it's not really made by Commodore, and it's not really Amiga. It's kind of like how Atari got, you know, bought yeah, it. Isn't it kind of a customized, their own sort of Linux distribution, which... Yeah. Like, the world needs yet another Linux distribution. Yeah, especially considering that Amiga OS is still alive and kicking and is being actively developed by crazy European guys. I did not realize that. Not to say that all Europeans are crazy, but to be spending their time on that versus anything else is kind of crazy. But yeah, it's actively developed. It has all kinds of capabilities, but it runs on a PowerPC format now. Um, so yeah, there's a format easy to get there's hardware a for. Good yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was interesting too. That you know, there's all these like retro, like you see Neo Geo, and that just instantly, there's a period of time where you you can go to. Same with an Amiga. Mm-hmm. The Amiga certainly is not a good deal for anyone. Yeah, I think that thing's too expensive. I don't think the Amiga name can, commands enough uh, cachet no. for people to spend that much on it. Yeah. I think even Apple would have a hard time at that price point. And oh, yeah. They have more brand name cachet than pretty much anybody in the world right now, right? I mean, I always scoff at people who talk about brand name recognition, but actually Apple and Mac, I don't really think, or iPhone, mm-hmm. I don't think you can really scoff at that. No, they, they do at the moment, yeah. certainly. I mean, for the longest time, Apple didn't. But yeah. But well, that's pretty interesting. Last bit of nostalgia. Did either of you guys play the Legacy of Kane or Soul Reaver games? Never. Ah. Oh. Sorry. Well, it's good to know. Either way. Those kind of people now. That that <laughs> franchise is coming <laughs> the back. Look from of the people. disappointment in your eyes. No, I didn't play them that much either. Oh. It's all good. But uh, back in the age when there wasn't vamp, there weren't vampires or zombies everywhere. This is one of the few vampire games out there, and it was a, kind of atypical, gory creepy way of addressing vampires and everything and it was really popular series that kind of fizzled out during the playstation years and now crystal dynamics who is behind some of the really good recent tomb raider games is finally doing something different and is working on this of all things a soul reaver reboot and i was curious if you'd had history with the series before if you were going to be interested in playing this but as you are not you probably won't be Sadly, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. No, Apparently, it's good. One other interesting thing that I think Bob found was um, a little blurb about how Notch, who's the creator of Minecraft, um, is wanting to make a Firefly-inspired game. It's 
sounds kind of like, since we're nostalgic, was the description kind of like Elite? I believe it was Elite that they were saying that it was yeah. kind of like. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite that, like space sandbox games of all time. I mean, yeah, and his, the description was that he wanted it to where you're not actually the ship, you're a person in the ship, more like Firefly. And, yeah. You know, it, it, you combine something from Notch and Firefly, and you've definitely got my attention there. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome, man. You had my massive throbbing attention. <laughs> <laughs> So he says he hasn't committed Mojang to making that definitely their next game. He's going to work on it as it comes along. So we don't know when it'll show up. And But what is good is that he, because it's an open world game, he believes he'll release it in advance of its formal release date so people can start checking it out. And certainly so, that worked well for uh, Minecraft. Not yeah, only it did. did. Yeah, not it only totally did he get did. lots of input on you know the direction for the game, but geez, just the amount of buzz around that thing is you know every single... Uh, Every single feature update that would come out and everything like that. Oh, yeah. So I mean, that's that 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 thing's been a game changer. He also did that cool thing where it was like, you know, buy it now; it'll be cheaper than when it goes into uh, production, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. So like, I got it like at my price point thirteen dollars or something. Oh, jeez. Like I I wish I had bought it early like that. I was an early doubter of right. Minecraft because it just looked so shitty. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I wasn't really excited about either until just all the crazy YouTube videos came out and I started watching those and I was like, there's a lot more to this than I thought. Especially when people started to build like, you know, processors. Oh yeah. And the guy that built the sheep cannon and launched him so far that he like the sheep went off the map and stuff. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm gonna have to check that out. That's just so <laughs> neat. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. Definitely one of the few people, I think, doing anything high-profile that's completely original. So yeah. just the fact that he's talking about it has me certainly, uh, you know, interested and inspired because, you know, Minecraft is one of the most original games I can remember any time recently. Right. I think this is a more realistic goal for him than his previous tease, which is like, I will fund help fund a sequel to Psychonauts, which was not. Uh, a totally original concept. It was trying to continue a franchise that has a strong uh, under the ma- under the radar following, right? And then that just kind of all fills it out. Now he's talking about this. This seems like a much more realistic and. If he's only talking about helping fund it, that even path. could be something that he does in parallel. He could, but then it just kind of the follow-up story is like, oh wow, it's actually a lot more expensive than I thought it would be to fund this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Guess I haven't made that much money after all. Well, he gave away a lot of his money to the rest of the the team at uh, at Mojang, which is you know unheard pretty generous. Yeah, pretty damn generous, and it's not totally unheard of, but you know it's pretty generous. Either way, that wraps up our intro getting. Intro getting. And now we're going to get into Doesn't listener work. feedback. Throbbing intro getting. <laughs> Someone to hold me tight would be very nice. Someone to love This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Service. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs.
We have gotten so much feedback from our super long to our episode that primarily focused on Mass Effect 3's controversy. Yeah. Which, to me, made this pretty cool and surprising. I wasn't expecting uh, an episode that focused a lot on a single topic like that. Actually, no, anyone was listening, we were surprised <laughs> to find out that... Don't, there weren't only just two downloads a month, which were a week, which was Noah and myself. Yeah. So <laughs> now we've apparently gone up to five downloads. A week. Yeah, <laughs> at least five. Yeah. First up, we got a nice little email from Agamemnon, who addressed Mark, Noah, and Southern Fried Scott. That's the greatest name. <laughs> which was I love hilarious. that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> because we've been calling Southern Scott just Southern Scott, and when we brought it up in the show last week, he's like, "Right, he decided yeah, you call me Southern Pride, Pride, Scott." Yeah. Yeah. Like Jason Southern... calls him Scott from the South. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure if Agamemnon misheard that I or like just decided Southern to change Scott. it to Southern Fried Scott, but I'm totally digging Southern Way Fried Scott. Than mine, mine, which was Chicken Fried Scott. I think Southern Fried <laughs> Scott is just has a sound to it. He's an SFS. That's right. So he acknowledged that he's also been on a big Game of Thrones kick and watched the entire marathon session of it the other week. But as for game-related stuff, on Diablo 3, he is super excited about the release date being set in stone for is it May 15th, I think? Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. And he said, my supervisor asked me if I'm going to take work off to go get it and play it all day. It's been a while since I've done that, Star Wars Galaxies. So what do you guys think? Is this Is the day off worth it? What was your last game release day off? Oh man! Uh, you know you have a transparently bad gaming habit when your do- when your boss is just yeah. expecting. Yeah, no you're, you're skipping work. Yeah, I'm not good on like letting my boss know about my gaming habits because I think you get there's I think we've done podcasts about this. There's a lot of negative connotations to gamers. I think from management and you think so? Yeah, I don't wow, know. Because I don't know if you've noticed at work that. Everyone's Everybody a is a gamer, pretty I, much. I have noticed sort, that. So, it's yeah. kind of funny. You guys are lucky. It's not necessarily like that at my place. And I work at a dot com. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm constantly yeah. surprised at people that I thought were way too dull to to play any interesting <laughs> games or anything. That turns out are huge, massive uh, Xbox Live games. No, you're wow. a Marvel yeah, player, so. and they're like, "No, man." I'm, yeah. I know. I have met quite a few people that are playing Star Wars Galaxy at work. Oh, really? Star Wars Galaxies? What? what? It was the SWG thing that are playing like um, Tor, uh, okay. the Old Republic. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, so, so yeah, did you guys ever take a day off to play a game? I'm trying to recall. I don't think so. I've spent many all-day gaming sessions, be- mostly before I was a parent, but... I think it was all weekends or days that I otherwise had the day off for some good reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? I've never done it, but I have coworkers who have done it for several game releases during the last year. Um, I think The Old Republic, StarCraft Two. There's something that recently, oh, Gears of War Three. I've known people who have taken time off for that. I'm like, wow, you really are doing that? It just, to me, seems so unusual because yeah. i never I considered doing that class in high school and college both to play games but that's yeah i didn't do that I either i think i needed a great deal of motivation in order to skip class <laughs> yeah so. but what's funny is like the more i hear about it, i'm like maybe i should do that sometime i don't I know it's kind of a cool idea you know a little game holiday i took i did the last one i did that for was um i think i called off sick for diablo 2 wow. really so wow. it's funny he should ask because 
pretty sure. Do you think Diablo Three is a, a day from work, a day off from work type of game? Uh, well, I work with Bob, so I don't want to include myself. <laughs> yes, tell us now, Mark. <laughs> Bob, particularly now that you're being recorded. Yeah, um, I never do anything like that. Tell our supervisor yeah. that this should be factored into which one of us gets the uh, the raise or the bonus. We've already established that I was hired only to lower the curve. <laughs> pick this guy, pick this guy. Pick him, that other guy's got actual qualifications with this one. Yeah. Surely I can get all of his... Uh... <laughs> but, um... Well, it would probably be hard for you, for you guys with... I, kids. I didn't have kids back then. I, there's no way I could do it now. I mean, it was just like if I if I took a day well, off. Well, if your kids were in school. Right. Yeah, your kids are still at home during the day. Yeah. If I took a day off, I actually probably could play a lot of uh, a lot of games because the kids are in school. I just have to do something about the wife. Distract her. <laughs> yeah. Do something about that wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shiny object. Huh? <laughs> I hear there's a shoe sale. Yeah, there's a shoe sale all the way down in Pueblo. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the drive. Yeah, it's really worth it. <laughs> now I'm wishing I hadn't told her the URL for this. Uh, <laughs> so Agamemnon continued to tell us a little about what he's been playing, which actually isn't anything, but something that I thought was interesting is while he hasn't played anything for the last two weeks, when he last played Star Wars Old Republic, he was bored with his bounty hunter because he's never able to find a group or even a conversation from anyone on a server or a guild. And he... I think I'm reading this correctly, but he kind of equated it to the PVP server, that the socialization just isn't occurring on the PVP server. And I was curious if you found that to be the case. Do you play on a PVP server, Mark? Oh, I thought you, know you did. Me, yeah, always, right? That's server. the only one I would play on, so yeah, I can totally I, I don't have that problem. You know, of course, I've roped a lot of people to play there. Roped them in. Roped them in, so... <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't, I don't have that issue. I, I always <laughs> find somebody to talk to, and some of the people in my guild are really entertaining, um, just to to talk to. So, um, it's funny. My guild is like six sick, Semper Fidelis, and everybody thinks it's like an all Marine Corps guild. And <laughs> I don't think any of us are in the Marine Corps, but it's funny that that's our name. So that is very odd. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I haven't run into that on my particular server. Because um, it makes really sense, I could understand. Everybody's competitive; they're all worried about fighting yeah. each other. And I've met a lot of really nice people on the server. I that's because really they get their say. rage out; they work it out. I, well, because we're yeah, we're we're the dark side, so we know all about how to get our rage out and get a rage on. And we don't, yeah, we don't. Uh, maybe that's the problem. He needs to go, go over to the dark side. Come to the dark side. To the dark side. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's yeah. Never understand yeah. the camaraderie of the dark side of the force. Yeah. You know that's that's funny because they're they're almost ready to roll out their legacy system for Star Wars. Ah, uh, yeah, your family tree. And so one of the scenarios that can happen is that your main character is the father of because they're basing this all on the the Darth Vader Luke Skywalker relationship. Mm-hmm. Your your character could be the father because it's a legacy thing. So you can specify you know this is the father and you can build this family tree out of all your characters. But some of your characters can inherit stuff from their ancestor. So you could have a Sith Lord who is like the, the, like the, the grand uh, patriarch, right? And then his son could elect to be a Jedi Knight, mm-hmm. but could inherit such cool, cool skills as the Force Choke. <laughs> and so, or you could have somebody who's not even a Jedi, but they have like the Force Affinity. They just chose a different career that comes from that. So you could have, oh. you could have like a, you could have a Han Solo character who just occasionally 
just occasionally say can like grab something and throw it or something you know so, that's like, cool before. so they've added like some pretty interesting things like that but um i digress that could be very cool yeah i don't know i do like how agamemnon signed his email as agamemnon the reckoning the reckoning <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is awesome that's what that was Jason's idea to always add the reckoning to the name of his character if he had enough room because so many titles come out with the reckoning is the, the like end of it. I thought that was the law though that anything with the reckoning on it was gonna suck. Apparently, Thirty Eight Studios didn't hear about that, but um... and Jason actually does come up a couple times in our feedback section. First of all, with a Striegel who wrote in, can you confirm the rumor that Steve Jobs had his consciousness downloaded before his death and it's being used as the kernel of the next Apple operating system? And Jason responded, I actually have some insider info, but I signed an NDA, so I can't comment. Smiley. He probably would have had to digitize his consciousness since he had no actual soul. <laughs> Unexpected response. That's why you're here, Bob. They're gonna come out with this new iOS version, codenamed Turtleneck. Yes, be like, exactly. Well, wait a minute. Something's What's going wrong. Series voice has been replaced with something slightly different. Something slightly more sinister. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're like trying to you're trying to bait it, and it's like, shut up, no, I'm not. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> Hilgi Scott wrote in, Hi dudes, I really enjoyed your Mass Effect discussion. I was going to wait for a couple price drops before getting the game, but with all this hype about the ending, I'm not sure if I can wait much longer. Made me think about all the time I've invested listening to Channel Massive. If you guys don't end the podcast in a way that makes me happy, (laughs) I'm going to bitch, complain, and get all the Scots together for a class action lawsuit. (laughs) Speaking of Scots, I always enjoy hearing from Southern Scott when he's on the show later, Hilgi. As do we all. We do. That's a good point. When we finally wrap this son of a bitch up, we're gonna have to have like a, some kind of drama, dramatic like flip. Yes, yes. It'll be like episode fifty all over again. Yeah. The solution well, is you need maybe to not just that. never stop. <laughs> well, see, we did do something one time creatively. Like we one time, we one for episode time. fifty, mm-hmm. we actually did all these like um, I don't know skits, like sketch kind of comedy thing there's a rap i I gotta go back and uh, listen to that Yeah, we like had like uh we had like a guest voices yeah we had guest podcasters who were actually relevant that are no longer we had um we had like a boat crash at the pueblo um reservoir (laughs) we had like all kinds of crazy stuff going on and it was like the most hated episode (laughs) 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 we spent spent, like two weeks working on the stuff and then uh, you know just coming up with it all two weeks like actually engineering it all jim and i that's when jim was doing it we split up the the uh, editing between the two of us to get it together because it was just so much work i think i did like a theme song for something i mean i had like cakewalk projects going on and so we were like, people are going to flip when they hear this. And they did. And it was just like Mass Effect 3. <laughs> they just flipped yeah. in the wrong direction. They yeah. did. They did not so, like So that, that was your uh, um, Phantom Menace that episode, was basically. Film. It was it was really expensive and elaborate and over overall budget. shitty. <laughs> it was over budget. It was, it went, we, we had scope creep. It went beyond the schedule. We was did, bad. yeah. And then, of course, 
Nobody liked it. Nobody actually enjoyed it, yeah. I think we recorded like a gangster rap song for it. I mean, it was ridiculous how much Mm -hmm. time and money or effort we put into it. Starting to get the picture why nobody liked it. And that's that's why um, episode 200 will probably not be the same way. Yeah, just as episode 100 was also. Yeah. Quite anticlimactic. Episode 100 just came and went. It's just like, whatever, it's episode 100. Nothing special. Whatevs. Same for 150. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. We don't care. Well, you don't no care. Don't ask Scott for that. But other than that, he doesn't always. Well, no, no not tonight. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the bow tie. Just the bow. The typical bow tie. We were talking about that earlier, though, Mark. Is that we've been doing this for five years? No, five years. It's funny because I remember when we were like new to podcasting, and we were like new on the. We were like the new podcast on the gaming scene, you know, and. We were all MMO focused back then, and we've mm-hmm. had all these different iterations. But now I like look back on it, and I'm like, man, now we're like like the old fogies of podcasting. Like, no we're kidding, like, right? We have like all this. I don't know how many hours it would be if we added. Well, I guess we could yeah. just say it'd be a lot, at least for 400. Yeah, a lot of podcasts just really don't last. It's actually yeah. pretty amazing that you guys have had this kind of staying power. And I think, uh, I think it's really easy not to last. I think that's why the average run number yeah. is like 16. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. thinks it's going to be, you know, just so awesome. Don't realize that it's going to be a lot of work and yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of commitment. It's a big and, time commitment. Yeah, so I mean, it's kudos to you guys on the fact that you've stuck with it this long. You've maintained a level of quality and originality. And well, we, and certainly, I mean, the, the podcast, I think, sounds really good. Oh, thank well, you. Thank so. you. That's Noah's work. We do. We are a center of excellence. Yeah, center of excellence. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I was. I, I've been listening to another podcast. I've been listening to lately is from Make Magazine, which you know has some really great content on there if you're into that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But their sound quality just sounds atrocious by comparison. Oh, that's good and too. it just sounds. They they don't do much with the way of editing or anything like that, which I guess fits with their kind of home crafted sort of you know, right. uh, you know, kind of motif and everything, but. Just, just the difference in the sound quality and the the editing quality and everything is pretty significant. Not well, to brag on make. That's good to hear. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate Look it. Look at those guys over at Make. Yeah. <laughs> Great uh, magazine, though. Yeah. So speaking of lots of time commitments, Tare, who has been on the show before, she was her time spent in the old republic was identified last week by mark who I called everybody out she's like well i don't think she even realized it because she commented over on the website i didn't realize i had 92 hours put into the old republic wow that's two weeks of gameplay to me as i quit playing after two weeks my issue it's a great game and it's fantastic with gameplay and the stories are wonderful but it's not a good mmo it's a great single-player game, and I can even see co-op being awesome in it sometimes, but it's not a game I would pay monthly to play. About 92 hours in two weeks, that's an average of six and a half hours a day. That's pretty impressive. That is, she is a hardcore gamer. She's yeah, so hardcore. Which is pretty awesome. And, and, much respect. And she can talk about pretty much any damn game that's been made in the last 15 <laughs> years. That's right. And with details that like most people would be like, I just remember that it was on a computer. <laughs> she'll have like she'll know everything about it. She's like an wow. encyclopedic knowledge of gaming. She's quite brilliant. Yes, very much so. And as another example, that she brought up Mass Effect because we talked about it last week, and she said in the first game she played the first one, 150 hours, 
with three different characters going through the main storyline and she finally ended up her final save the the class she liked the most was an engineer and then she loved the game so much but she was so disappointed with mass effect 2 because it only took her 25 hours to finish it that's a significant difference that's for sure you know it's like dragon age one i I, Did you I, have a similar experience? I, I played that, and I tried different variations. Not quite to her extent. Well, not even close. But then when I played, like, Dragon Age 2, it was like, done. Just blasted you know? right yeah, through it. Yeah, blasted through it. So it's pretty... That is really disappointing. I have to admit, though, that... I, I, liked, I really liked Dragon Age 2 once I got used to the hokey interface, which is apparently the Mass Effect 2 interface. <laughs> but I... I really enjoyed the game. Like I liked the the writing and stuff. So. It's interesting all this stuff about the ending on this, though, because for me, one of the most disappointing game endings of a game I can remember was it was not a Bioware game, but it was a sequel to a Bioware game, which was the uh, Knights of the Old Republic two. Oh really? Oh, was which Obsidian. was developed by somebody else. Yeah, True. it was Obsidian. It was just yeah that did that one. I don't know if you guys ever played Knights of the Old I Republic didn't two. Finish two. No. So it started out great. Had a lot of great, uh, a lot of great characters, a lot of great plot ideas, most of the way through the game, and then when you're a little over three quarters of the way, probably through the game, if I remember correctly, the entire plot just completely falls apart. No. Doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, there's characters come in and out in ways that just don't even make plot sense. Huge gaping plot holes are left open. I played through it, and initially I'm like, wow, maybe I did really poorly, and so I missed the good ending, and the bad ending really, really sucks and doesn't tie up any of the side character story plots or anything like that. Went online, was searching all the boards and everything, and nope. They were rushed to get it out for the holiday season. They were basically oh, ordered by LucasArts that so it had crappy. to be out at a certain date, and so they canceled the, the main ending and just kind of jury-rigged something together. Oh. About a deal they, with the reuse, devil. they go back and reuse a... a um, a scene, uh, basically a setting from an earlier part in the game in a way that doesn't make sense to the plot to kind of tie oh, it up. It's man. Just, it really, really sucked. That's and for a game that was doing so well up until that point, yeah. it's very disappointing. And that's probably um, why there's no Kotar 3. Could be, yeah. 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 Well, and it, because of a reaction like that for Tear, that's why she's not interested in playing Mass Effect 3, which is a shame. But in terms of people being upset about the ending, she's quite blunt if people don't like it well fuck it they're playing a game and that's the story the game has given you it doesn't always turn out stars for you accept it and move on and then she grumpily added android's better than iphone any day (laughs) all said you can't sense it from reading it but it's all said in a british accent so yes which i couldn't even bother to lends a certain Gravitas. gravitas yes the, exactly the... <laughs> that, that is a certain point you know that you're, you're the story that's the ending of the story and if you don't like the ending you know uh casablanca didn't have a happy ending right a lot of people right. i'm sure at the time when they walked out of the theater were pretty unhappy with that ending so there is a point to that but you know maybe that's part of the difference is that when you see a movie they actually the review beforehand will tell you about you know not just how the movie looks initially but Right. Whether the ending wraps it up fulfillingly that way, and most game reviews don't get to the ending. Right. The reviewer That's plays so it for true. a certain number of hours. Like, so if the first level was that. good, they're going to review it really positively. Right. Yeah, so that is a good point. Yeah, because it's it's you know when you're talking 25, 30, 40 hours to play through it, there's just no it's way they can do that and get a review out. Nearly impossible for them to actually review right. the game from end to end. So I don't know what the solution to that is, but. Gamers are kind of going into it in the dark, and we're just hoping that the quality carries through to the end. And mm-hmm. 
you know, this is a good example, and uh, Kotar 2 is a good example of where you get screwed because it didn't get the quality yeah. didn't carry through to the end. Yeah, great start, horrible finish. And while on the topic of Mass Effect 3, Jason also provided a comment. If you're a longtime listener of Channel Massive, you may recall Jason recounting his adventures through the first Mass Effect game, the second Mass Effect game, his reactions to... I remember there's some mission, I think in the first one, where he's rounding up gerbils or something yeah. on a planet. It was a frustrating mission for him. And I remember in the second one, he hated the planet scanning. Right. And so naturally we know that he totally got into Mass Effect 3 and he... He confessed that he was kind of disappointed that he didn't get invited to the debate on the Mass Effect 3 topic, being the nerd that he is. He's completed all three games and could have brought some perspective to it, but no, he's not bitter much. But he says, all that said, he does have something that he wants to contribute to the dialogue and has a link that is up on our website, so it's in the comments for episode 190, of a very spoilerific blog post at Uninhibited and Unrepentant. And uh, he said that in that particular story, there's a lot of hints that lead Jason to believe that Mass Effect 3 was never really the final chapter at all, which is what we're going to get into talking to, talking about. This is perfect foreshadowing for later in the show. But before that, we're going to tell you what we've been playing. playing <laughs> <laughs> i was just sitting here listeners staring at mark for like the last 30 <laughs> seconds like does he is he gonna remember that he's hosting this segment i always or? remember i just sometimes like to make it dramatic like pause yeah <laughs> build the anticipation yeah. anticipation yes i like to say i actually i spent a lot of time playing that really bad 3ds game that i've mentioned on previous episodes and i wrote a longer review than I expected about it, so if you want to know why I didn't like it, you can go to Nintendojo and check that out. Of the Noah. Yeah, if you want to read about a bad 3DS adventure game. But, since I don't have really any video games to tell you about, I do want to tell you about my super awesome Dungeons & Dragons session that I had. Oh, nice. Real world Dungeons & Dragons, wee! Um, oh, I haven't heard of anybody talking were, about that in a long time. Were you playing as the dungeon master, or were you a player character? I'm always a player character. I don't think I'm <laughs> cool or smart enough yet to be a DM. Is a rare breed. It's a hard role to fulfill. You have to so, almost be a writer. Exactly, and you have to be prepared for the your adventurers to go in any number of paths, depending yeah. on what you, you have throw. To be at not them. just kind of a writer, but kind of an improvisationalist. Yeah, I and think. you have to actually want your player characters to do interesting things too. I think, yes. I think if you're like totally like, oh please God, don't go left. I, <laughs> I mean, I know I have the I have the you know I have the module here that tells me what that's going to be, but Really hoping you go right. They went left. How can I make? How can I disincentivize oh, yeah. you? Disincentivize. Yeah. Great yeah. word to throw in. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. And I, I've I and there I've definitely had some previous sessions since I started doing this last August. I think first time D and D player. I haven't I hadn't done it before. Yeah, really? Um, hadn't. But we would have some sessions where he's like, "Yeah, you guys bypassed that patch of fairies and the." mysterious haunted carriage and i had this whole little quest there where you're gonna get shrunk down and I'm like, he's like but oh well that's fine i'm like oh that's gotta be so disappointing but it's just like we we're like dude that's not on the main quest that's gonna like cause us to die we're going forward we're not going to <laughs> right it's quite a rational decision at any rate so i'm doing a different campaign in this case it, i think it was our 
third session. Yeah. In this case, I'm playing a warlord, and everybody in the party is good. They're all good alignment. And this is unlike my mischievous half-gnome bard or whatever that I was playing in my other campaign, uh -huh. which I get to... I was casting my crowd hypnosis spells all the time <laughs> just because <Yeah>. I could. <laughs> and it turned into some really hilarious sequences because I, I find D&D to be one of the most fun during the RP sections where you can just kind of throw twists at it and see how your fellow gamers react and what does the DM do. But what's weird about this particular campaign that I'm doing is that it's two girls from work, co-workers, one of them being Denara, oh, who yeah. the only game she ever plays is uh, Dota. Uh -huh. She's never played any Dungeons & Dragons. There's another girl who has no interest in video games whatsoever and has never done D&D. And it was it's probably the last person I would expect to even say, yeah, sure, I'll do this. She signed up for it. And then another co-worker who I, he might have some familiarity with it, but he hasn't really done it. So the point is we have a group where, aside from the DM and me, Nobody else really has any experience doing it, and they're not really into it. Wow. And so we'd go through sessions during the first two sessions where they would all just kind of stare at me and watch me interact back and forth with the DM. And they're like, <laughs> it was almost well, like a two-person game. Yeah, just oh like, my God. And so then I asked them, like, what is your character doing? Oh. And so, like, this girl who I definitely didn't think would be interested in whatever, like, her role-playing moment was we were at a tavern. She's like, I'm getting my flirt on. I'm like, flirt on? I'm like, you're a thief. Are you like trying to steal anything from her or anything? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Her character is the only neutral character in our group. Oh, really? She wasn't able to make it at the last minute to our session. And so the DM asked me, hey, how about you? Can you play her and your character? I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I walk up to her work. And I'm like, so I hear that I'm going to be role playing your character this weekend. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't make any guarantees. She might live. She might die. <laughs> it started out as a rather sad day, and it yes. got progressively worse. Her melancholy was on the rise. Yes. She, she thought about cutting herself, but thought, well, the, the other. That's a really good idea. I just <laughs> thought about that. And I was like, she so had to take her own life. Yeah. This was the anniversary of the death of her lover, yes. Gildredril, the dwarf. She thought of him always in this time, and now with the rain falling, it was an even darker day than it had begun. <laughs> you are perfect for being a DM. Yeah, I am that's a perfect awesome, man. DM. I am a closet DM. You need we, to start a session. We have uncovered a hitherto-for unknown talent of the Marquez. Yes. Yeah, you I to can have kill a, a character really quickly. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> her day was getting even worse, and then she found it, a Jane Austen book. That was too much for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of like that, I was so stoked for this session because I'm like, I'm going to set an example for my fellow game players, and I'm going to make this super cool backstory that I'm going to only share with the DM, but I'm going to tell my fellow people, I'm like, ask me about this, and then if you notice this, try to do this and do this so that it would develop organically. We're just like, all right, guys, now I'm going to tell you my backstory. And I like, go into this 20-minute monologue about that. <laughs> and then she, this thief chick was going to be like a major part of that. And then she's like, I can't make it. Oh. And so I'm like, well, she's neutral, though. <laughs> and so I just set up, I like derailed the whole campaign for like an hour because like, oh, we're carrying these items. And we had another girl joining us. So it's like we have more girls, I think, in our campaign. Wow. Than uh, uh, guys, buying all stereotypes. 
Yeah, which is actually super women awesome. Playing in Dungeons and Dragons. And this third one, she's she was in my previous campaign, so she's experienced and she was really stoked about it. And she's like, I'm going to play a half human, half orc paladin, which is just really a strange combination. She's like, yeah, that's cool. That so weird. she had to join us. Paladin. But I wanted to be suspicious of her because like some random seven foot tall, 200 pounds. So she's super skinny, like half orc wanting to join us up. And so my character's going to play it safe, but we have this artifact that we're trying to deliver and so i'm like well i'm gonna hand it over to the thief and so but when thief go hide somewhere while we're talking to the half work chick and so we talked to the half work chick we're like oh yeah we want it she, she's like you have an artifact i'm like what artifact she's like i want to help you carry the artifact that you have to this religious temple and it's like we don't know what artifact you're talking about and then it's like, oh, we should go check on the thief. And I go to the thief. I'm like, the thief's not there. And so it's like, it's like I, I got to like oh, throw no. the DM like a, a curveball because he didn't know that I was going to be. And they're like, well, where is she? I'm like, she's gone. She took it. She has the item. And so Dinara is like a shapeshifter, and she relentlessly shapeshifts throughout the game. She's like, I'm a bear. I'm a wolf. Just like randomly shapeshifting oh, wow. all the time without any reason at times and she's like screw that and she's like she turned into an owl and she chased my thief my thief down and she's like she lands like why are you doing this and i'm like because i'm not getting anything out of this and i want to get my own money so i'm just gonna go and sell this on my own and she's like what the fuck she's like and so Tamara <laughs> says to me like what the fuck are you doing though and I'm like, <laughs> hey you just went oh oh see and i'm like Look, this is just how I'm going to play her, and you're going to have to deal with it. This is how I'm made, man. And awesome. so, <laughs> so Denara's trying to tell the new girl that to join the camp, and she's like, normally the thief isn't played like this because this girl is, like, really nice, and she's not experienced. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice, but no, it's <laughs> Whereas, really And I said, exactly, whereas being an asshole comes naturally to me, and so that's what I'm going to do. And so she got into this fight because the girl, she changed, changed back from an owl to a girl. She's like, you're not going to go anywhere. And she's like, and I'm like, try to intimidate her. I'm like, roll the dice. And she's like, and the freaking Denara had a really high will, and so I couldn't intimidate her. And she turned into a wolf, and I started trying to run away. She bit me in the ankle, and she knocked me out. I'm like, try to backstab her. And it's like, meanwhile, the rest of the party's trying to converge. <laughs> turned it into a <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and so What's great is he turned it into a virtual chick fight. Exactly. That's Taylor what I wanted. Off. <laughs> and so, like, Dan's the like, some combat was too much for her throbbing going on in that <laughs> <fight>. Exactly. <laughs> Throbbing, heaving bosoms. As the scales fell to the floor, she realized she had not worn an undershirt. <laughs> <laughs> she had never realized how attractive she found this thief. Suddenly, she started to hear some music. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. And so the DM's like, the way that he's been doing the game is that anything that's RP and just going from down to town, we have like a big overworld map that we'll look at, but when we actually go into a dungeon, he pulls out all these like tiles and he assembles the map oh, on the board yeah. and so when i start doing all this shit he's like oh, all right and then like but he like puts a tile down the and engineer's like what the, what are you doing he's like it looks like you're gonna have an encounter so he had a lot of minifigures oh, put it snap. out and i ran her it's like i tried to backstab her in wolf form and i couldn't get her but i got up and i turned to stealth form and i ran up into the tree and i stealthed myself and then of course because I'd, I'd made the situation i had to talk to myself because my warlord character is supposed to be like leaderly and good. And I'm like, Why are you doing this? And then I'd answer because blah 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 blah. And then the freaking half orc came along and she's like, "I'm gonna try to intimidate her. She needs to give me that back. I am not happy that she's trying to take this religious artifact of mine." Da da da. da. And so she rolled the dice and she intimidated me. And I'm like, 
fine. I'm like, if you're not going to let me keep it, I'm going to break it. And so then I threw oh, it at man. her. <laughs> and then she had to roll a dice to catch it. She missed it. It hit the ground. I'm like, can it break? Can it break? It didn't break. And, and that's so... when Noah's disassociative identity <laughs> disorder began to really manifest. It, it did seem like it was drifting in that direction, didn't wait, it? I'm Noah. No, wait. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a warlord. No, wait. I'm a petty thief. No, wait, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that my fellow gamer, uh, players were bitching about like i don't think i like this character anymore like you've just made her into a total bitch and then they put their like but on the other hand this is how she should be acting because she's neutral and she's a thief so it all makes sense and so they were all conflicted about it but needless to say i went back to work on monday and i'm like well so everybody hates your character now and there's this artifact that we're supposed to get that she rips people's souls from them and then like delivers them to this horrible demon realm that's ruled by this one of the worst demons in the hierarchy of whatever our world is and the current vibe is that you should use that stone on yourself <laughs> once we retrieve it and so she's like that's awesome and so she's all excited i'm like all right cool i'm glad that you're okay with this because these are the other shitty things that i was gonna <laughs> she's like all right i'm gonna do that so oh, that's we'll hilarious. see what happens cool. in a month or two when we it play sounds again. like you guys have much more fun and much more elaborate D games than the group i used to play with peck in college so. <laughs> what were yours like uh, you know, they were pretty fun, but from what I recall, I mean, I don't think we ever had quite that elaborate a role-playing going on. So, and, and we definitely didn't have anything with the tiles and the... Oh, yeah. Like that, so. the, the previous campaign that I did, it was all in our heads type thing, and it's yes. like our DM would say, all right, you've approached a fork. There's right to the left. This is what you can smell. This is what right. you can see. What do you want to do? And so when this campaign, he's like, I've got all these random tiles, and I can rearrange them, and I'm like... Oh man, I have to pay attention to my movement speed now, and yeah. I have to pay. It. But actually, it turns out it really puts you in the zone more because these tiles are cool because they're painted, and you can see That's trees. Cool. You can flip them over really and have awesome. them on fire yeah. and stuff. That sounds like a lot of fun. No, we used to do it all just in your head thing. It was very much much more like which a, works uh, cool. A it works really well too. Zork game, yeah, you know? yeah. You're in a room and there are multiple exits. I, I kind of like that because you visualize it all, and it, it's it becomes even more intense and more personal from that yeah. perspective as well. I think so too. I always hated those dungeon masters who were all bogged down in the mechanics of the game system. Oh, yeah, I like yeah. someone who could just spin a tail, and I liked yeah. it where, you know, yeah, you'd make the rolls, but the rolls were almost unimportant because the DM never told you what you had to roll yes. unless you're a really savvy player and had kind of figured it out. But, you know, yeah, I mean, because you could calculate your to-hit-armor class zero thing and all that, but I liked it if the DM was just like, roll, nope, not good enough. Right. <laughs> I always kind of liked that better because, I don't know, it, yeah, I think you need a, a, a DM who's willing to uh, to kind of improvise yeah. on the fly and, bend, yeah. like said, bend the rules a little like, bit. And you know, he sees your role, he's like, oh, she'd be, he'd be dead now. That would really not be good for the story. <laughs> well, you got yeah. blasted sideways 15 feet. The good news is you hit the half-orc, so you're, you're all right. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. That happened in our second session. We have this dwarf who, because he's really tanky, he would just overextend himself sometimes. And he got to the point where, and I'd never had this before either, he was on the ground dead and he was rolling saving rolls to keep his character from dying. He was basically bleeding out. Oh, yeah, and so he had to roll something just to not rules. die because this is fourth edition rolls. Yeah. And I went over and I was trying to heal him or let him use healing surges, which are just like healing heal potions, I suppose. Uh, and he had one more roll that he could do. And he just did this dramatic, he held his hand like five feet above the table and just dropped it, and he rolled a 20, which brought him back to life. Oh, wow. Oh, and it was so cool, because this DM is putting us in battles where the odds are like stacked against us, and we barely 
get by. The last one that we had in the last game, all these ints came to life. And thank goodness, because we were like against all these bugbears who were totally kicking our asses. Oh, that's cool. But we had these ints that would just grab the bugbears and then just throw them. <laughs> like nice. four football fields away. Like playing Maokai. Yes, exactly. So that's my little D&D corner. That's my gaming. That sounds like a really damn fun uh it is fun. Really damn fun campaign. That actually probably transitions very well into that story you were talking about with the uh tabletop uh gaming. Oh. I don't think we ever touched on that, did we? We didn't. Oh, that you deleted that, huh? Will Wheaton and Felicia Day are making a show about them playing tabletop games. And they're actually going to play the tabletop game while they're talking, while they're doing the show. Yeah. Interesting. Are they? Which is something that we've actually talked about doing at Channel Massive, but those assholes beat us to it. Uh, well, we've <laughs> talked about it for years, and we thought, A, we wouldn't be able to concentrate, and B, it probably wouldn't be as fun as we thought it would be to anyone else but us. Well, I'm sure that it'd they're be, editing it a lot, too, yeah. so it's... It'd be an interesting experiment, but yeah, I think it, what you would end up with vast stretches of silence and yeah. kind of disconnected utterances and a lot of, yeah. God damn, son of a bitch, what the hell did you do that? I'm like, hey, stop, let me check the rule book. <laughs> right, I'm talking yeah. about some really strategic board games. I mean, if yeah, they was sorry, are. I'm sure I could maintain a, some kind of witty banter with everyone. Or, you know, shoots and ladders, but they're talking about, like, risk and stuff like that. Or, well, I was thinking for you, know, for you guys, if you tried to actually oh, do the podcast while you're playing any actual oh, yeah. computer games. There was a there used to be a, a WoW podcast where this guy, you could always hear him doing something in the auction house or the bank. You could always hear the cha-ching sound. <laughs> he was, like, depositing gold or selling stuff, and it was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, cool. Does that pretty much sum, summarize your weekend gaming, Noah? Yes, it does. Uh, how about you, Bob? Play anything? Um, so, still been playing a lot of the Halo games, and oh, cool. my son and I have been going through a lot of the levels on Legendary. Right on. Um, trying to get through that, primarily in uh, Halo 3 and uh, Reach. Although, ODST, I think, is actually still my favorite of the games. Oh, but cool. um, That is a good one. That is a good one. And then, I've been playing Minecraft Mobile, which I didn't really expect to like as much as I do. So now I'm thinking of, we were talking about the cost of Minecraft earlier. Oh, I think yeah. I'm actually going to go ahead and break down and get the desktop version. Oh, I think that's really the paid version of it because it's... I love that version. Yeah, it's it really is. You know, the comparison to Legos is somewhat valid in that it doesn't play at all like Legos, but it has that same quality where you initially start playing and you think, yeah, this, this sucks. I don't really, I'm not really enjoying that. And then you just start building something for any reason. Something triggers you to build something. Yeah. And then you're hooked. And, and you you're keep building perfecting your, that thing. Yeah, you keep perfecting that thing, and it gets more elaborate and more elaborate and more elaborate, right. and then pretty soon, you know, hours have gone by, and so it's an yeah. awesome game. And then uh, today, I've been spending time playing the uh, the new Angry Birds, which I'm That's generally sweet. not. I think Angry Birds are so overexposed, yeah. And I I so much want to hate them now, especially because you know the game is they've had so many editions of the game that are just the same thing again and again. Mm-hmm. But Angry Birds Space, I actually think, is pretty cool. The, cool. the kind of orbital and gravity mechanics in it. So far, I haven't got very far in the game, but so far, pretty damn fun and really changed the mechanics of the game while still feeling familiar. That is so cool. To, they pulled me back in, even though I want to hate them. Can't make it out. You pull me back in. Yeah. Cool. Well, I um, mine's pretty brief. I uh, I've been playing. I played like one or two games of League of Legends, and mm-hmm. one was played with the hugest League of Legends douchebag player of all time, which isn't me. And, uh, <laughs> second only to... This guy was just negative from the beginning and just going off on people. 
lecturing everyone. And I was was playing, this a Dominion game or a regular game? Dominion game and really in Dominion people were yeah. bitching. That's and uncommon. I, I had like I had like screwed up. Um, so what happened was my son had woke up right as the thing was loading, and so oh. I chose Scion for me. Oh, and uh, we've I've, I've played like once before. Um, and so random. I was like, yeah, so I got a, a random champion instead right. of the one I wanted. And so um, I was last for the first probably three quarters of the game. And so that guy's being a douchebag, and I was like, man, you need to just chill out. You're ruining it for everyone. Meanwhile, the other team's like saying stuff like, don't worry, we're gonna report him as soon as the game's over too. We're like, we feel your pain. I mean, it was really funny because the other team is like. So sorry you guys got stuck with this douchebag. And I'm like, he's really a douchebag. And so I was like, dude, just shut up. And he's like, shut up, last. What's wrong, last? Not having much fun, last? Because I was last in the rankings, right? Oh. Well, so, like, by the time it ended, I came out, like, third or something like that. And he was last. No, I was like, shit. I was like, so how, how is life now, last? Not only, is, not, only is, <laughs> not only are you last, but this might be your last game because we're all going to report you. <laughs> so, it was, but he was such a douchebag. I cannot. Believe, I've never played with anyone that just. Significant irony then that he was harping on you for being last. I've yeah. had that happen a lot. Time. Oh yeah. Where the people who bitch the most, are are last. Yeah. Well, he was playing like Trendemir or someone. There's no way he should have been last. But he was just, no. you know, he was so busy typing. I think that he wasn't even playing anymore. Have you seen the new Fae Sorceress character? Because she looks really cool. Have you played with her yet? I haven't played her. Oh, cool. she looks really cool. I'm really excited. A new support character. I know. Which Somebody we both love support Sona characters. And, uh, Sakura, but yeah, I had a really good time uh, otherwise in the other game I played after that. Mm-hmm. And that was the only two games I played of that. And the rest has all been um, Star Wars The Old Republic. So I'm at like right I'm on. At level 41, which doesn't sound much farther than what I reported last week, but I have. I'm sure it's a lot slower. Played a lot of. St- I've been through a lot. I got there's this um flashpoint that's like, I don't even get experience for it, but I wanted to complete it anyway because I had just kept putting it off and it looked like it had a cool kind of plot, and I keep my flashpoints like an instance sort of thing. I I played through it. I got to the very end. There's these three elites that were le- lower in level than I was, and. They, there's some dynamic between the way the three of them are playing that the encounter is unbeatable by me. I keep trying to figure out who to kill first, how to tank it, and I just can't do it. So then I got um, I got assistance um, from Scott and uh, Southern Scott? Fried Scott. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I died. We both died. And by then it was so late. Oh, we were both like, and we had to go all sucks. the way through it again, all the way through the very end to the last three elites. And I was like, finally, this time we're just going to destroy him. And we destroyed everything up to that point. So it goes from, like, super easy to, like, we can't beat these people. Oh, that's crazy. And so now, that like, I've, I've been talking to this guy, Yuli, at work about it. And he's like, all right, we'll get the three of us to come <laughs> <in."> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I might want to get to level 50 before I take on this level 25 flashpoint again. Because it's just, every time I get there, we die. But he has a bunch Do of ideas. Do they scale the monsters based on your level? No, they don't. And we think it's just some combination that they have where you actually yeah. need like four people it does say you need four people but i thought because oh, i was so far beyond oh, it in level, yeah. that it'd be like you know achievable but it is just there's some combination so he's like yeah we could figure out who to kill they he's were like, de- de- very serious about needing four people then yeah they're very serious about you it. will be penalized oh my god i've wasted probably I'd say I've I've spent I've wasted probably four hours by myself trying to beat it, and now wasted two of Scott's hours. 
as well, trying to... It's almost a work day. It is almost a work day, so if I can get Yuli to waste two of his hours and Scott to waste two more, then we'll be eight hours for me, still losing to this stupid thing that I don't get any experience for, and the item I know, whatever the great item I get at the end, isn't going to be even relevant to what I have already. Because it's 25. But I will at least be happy to see it disappear from my quest log, never to be seen again. I, I could abandon it and it would go away, but now it's more of like a... It's on the principle. Of it's it. a principle thing. So, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars, have you watched any of the Clone Wars cartoon? Yeah, yeah. I'm in season three, and it's so good. It is pretty yeah, cool. Is My pretty son good, yeah. unfortunately oh. isn't getting into it much. Oh, really? So, like, I, I need to probably reboot that. It's really talky point. political, though, especially yeah. the more that it goes on. It's true. He may be a little young still for it. Oh, um, well, I have also been playing a game with my son. I've been playing um, uh, Spider-Man um, Shattered Dimensions. So, uh, Jason, if you see my player score for that and think that you're kicking my ass at it, know that it's my son you're beating, <laughs> much, much like Rock Band 2 was. Um, but <laughs> I remember that. He's like, had, I totally kicked your ass in Rock Band. I know. Like, you're killing my son, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> Who three at the time was, what, four? He was three then. Three at the time, yeah. beating him on, because they were both singing. It takes a lot of skill to beat a three-year-old. It was kind of funny, though, but yeah, but <laughs> Jason went on to do that thing where he had to pee in a bucket to get the platinum um, microphone. Gosh, yeah, that is brutal. I could really not funny. imagine doing that. Like, you couldn't, you had to play this, like, the never-ending set list or something like that, oh, which yeah. you did, but it was no, there's no breaks, there's no pause. Oh, my so God. So I had to literally, like... Oh, you were talking literally pee in a literally bucket. Literally pee in a bucket. Yeah. He had a chamber pot for that episode. Uh, you know, just but, not worth it. Yeah, but he no. he did successfully get the platinum microphone, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's all I that's all I did. I I haven't done all Star Wars all the time. Oh, I started up a Mass Effect one character too. <gasps> Ooh, I'm so excited! I'm going to be playing a bunch of Mass Effect this weekend. We have this female consultant who looks like this cool hip. Uh, professional lady uh-huh. uh, our work and it, she's a little bit older than me and I just never would have guessed that she's a super hardcore gamer and she is oh, cool. like this last week and she's like I spent 10 hours Mass Effect 3 on Saturday and 7 hours on Sunday and I'm like oh my, oh my gosh and I'm like I've just started Mass Effect 1 and I'm so excited because I'm going to play through all three of them she's like oh my gosh you have the whole Mass Effect experience in front of you and I'm like <laughs> yes and she's like I'm so jealous it's so cool so yeah I am stoked because I finally got out of that 3DS game now I can play Mass Effect three. Three. one two three. So, so yeah. When Tara mentioned that she was super disappointed that the second game was only twenty five hours on twenty five hours, I'm like, that's pretty okay because yeah, you're looking that. forward to that. I don't right? really yeah. want to spend what is it like four hundred fifty hours if I. Oh know. yeah. You know, and if it's twenty five good hours, yeah. that's, that's better than you know a hundred some odd hours. And that game got superb inflated. reviews. Yeah. The combat's apparently really good, so I'm really looking forward to it. And the first one is fantastic anyways. So I'm excited to hear that you're playing it, Mark. That's cool. Well, by playing it, it means I started a character. Who may I mean, or may you got to get off the opening planet and into no, the Citadel. It makes all says. the difference. Because I, I started there, it like four or five times, and I just got, God, I hate playing through this opening area. Never got out of it. I have played just through it three times now, and I have not got out of it. Do you have it on casual and like auto-level up, auto-save? Why not? Just do that. Okay. It makes it so much more smooth sailing. Just when you're like at the boss of four hours in, you're like, I don't know if I can bring my party members back to life or not. Oh, okay. That's the embarrassing part. Uh, <laughs> that damn, happens. I don't know how to play this. <laughs> well, shall we? Uh, shall we uh, take a quick round break and table get time. back to our get to our roundtable topics? Mm-hmm. 
first up in our roundtable, topics of discussion. If you didn't get enough in our introgeddon, now we're going to talk about the world. reckoning. The reckoning. <laughs> yes. the reckoning. The reckoning. <laughs> Good caps there. We're going to talk about what's going on in World of Warcraft. Now, first of all, the most important update related to the upcoming Mists of Pandaria furry-loving expansion the beta has now been released to the wild. At least oh the, the first wave of it's out there, oh and it focuses God. only on the first ten, the first ten levels of starting areas for the new Pandaren race. Which within that you can now not only be a Pandaren, but you can also take on the monk player class. And if you had a WoW annual pass, you'd be guaranteed access to this beta. So the amount of people probably putting their feet into Panda feet. Stepping gingerly across the Asian-themed landscape. Walking, walking in the virtual footsteps of Kung Fu Panda. Yes, with their flowing kimonos. It's probably a small group of people, but I, I'm interested to hear... I, I'm really curious to hear, if, once the NDA, of course, comes down, whether or not people are enjoying this and their misgivings have been set aside and they like the respec of the abilities and the Pokemon aspects and, of course, the Pandaren aspects. But regardless of that, is that going to be enough for World of Warcraft to sustain or grow any further. It peaked at 12 million users in 2010, but in uh, Activision most recently reported just last month, the subscriber base has dropped down to 10.2 million, which isn't a big drop, but what I think is kind of cool is that Blizzard's senior producer, John LaGrave, he's being honest about what's going on even citing that, yes, Star Wars The Old Republic, as we, we, we kind of debated whether or not yeah. it would have an impact last year, whether there'd be some wild tourism and then they'd all come back. But he's he's acknowledged, John LaGrave has said, of course people are trying Star Wars. Our development team people are trying Star Wars. I'm one of the few people who's still playing it, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's nice. To <laughs> but yeah, we've people. seen a dip in subs. It certainly has to at least be attributable to this, the older public, but it's also attributable to people who want to wait and get the Mists of Pandaria expansion, so that's not that surprising. Kung Fu Panda expansion. I really think that they're, they're I, I, I would like predict a failure for this expansion. I haven't talked to anyone, and, you know, listeners, prove me wrong, write in and let us know, but... I have not talked to anyone nor heard from anyone or read anything by anyone who's excited about this. Everybody's like, it's an expansion to WoW. It lets you be a monk and be a panda. It's got some new stuff. Yeah. It's like nobody's like, you know, like with Cataclysm, they're like, man, what's it going to be like? You're going to get to fly over all those old zones that you're used to. There's going to be the destruction of everything. Or before that, you know, Wrath of the Lich King. Oh, wow, it's going to be crazy to be Arthas able to take on Arthas. And before yeah. that, the Burning Crusade. Oh, we get to go to Outland and we get to... What elves? Know, what's going on with the blo- the Belfs and the, and the yeah. uh, whatever the other guys are? You know, this is pretty exciting. And this is like, really, everybody wants to be Kung Fu Panda? don't understand why pandas i don't well they've always had this character in all the work well maybe it's from Warcraft. one of the main concept artists who's totally into furrydom yeah he's always drawn himself his family his wife as bears <laughs> and he's just got this fetish about it and so they're like yeah we'll include one of those in warcraft 3 that's where right. they, they were a hireable like mercenary or something like that yeah, the pandarians yeah and 
people are like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if Sam Wise's, because that's the nickname he goes by, uh, Pandas got to be in World of Warcraft. Now it finally is actually happening. He's living the dream. And the numbers show that people are really fucking excited about it. Do you think people uh, are really just taking a break and like, oh, I'm going to jump right back in? Like this guy's saying. I don't believe it. I believe people are like, now they're like, wow, you know, Star Wars Galaxies, you know, everybody. The, Star Wars Galaxies? Why am I doing that tonight? It's because of that email. Curse you. Star Wars <laughs> The Old Republic, I think, you know, showed that they could do everything that um, Blizzard did with WoW even better because they you know they had that they had they had the they had the model that world of warcraft had provided yeah. and they they polished elements of that to an even higher degree although there's a couple of things that they still don't have like the matchmaking for um, pickups for instances and stuff they still don't have that they don't have the cross server um, matchmaking for for that or the battleground stuff that's cross server as far as i know yet although it's being talked about but in, in most other ways, they've polished, you know, it, it to a level that's equal or better than WoW on most every front, and there's a lot more interesting stuff. And Plus, they have the benefit of it being Star Wars, It's right? got the Star Wars what, IP. What person born in the last 40 years hasn't wanted to be a, right. either a Jedi or a Sith? Right, and, yeah, or, even, or you know, or, like, some of the other, like, um... Or a bounty you know, hunter, or, yeah. yeah. Or some, somebody uh, in the Star Some Wars iconic Wars. character, yeah. 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 Or, Han Solo was you know. super cool. Yeah, and so... You know, it's got all of that. Plus, it's a different MMO that's yet still quality. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can play something that's not WoW. <laughs> yeah. And you know, full voice acting. But still in has, yeah, it's got the voice acting, the, all the different ways the character grows and becomes positive or negative. The companion system is way better. The crafting is way better. Got I mean, your own got ship. All, yeah, you know, it's got a lot of really, you get to, yeah, the starship, the, the flashback to Rebel Assault where you get to blow Real up shooter. stuff i love that you know so it's got all these things that are different and it goes to prove that there can be another triple a title mmo and and so i you know, who I knows think, what happens when guild wars 2 comes out because a lot of people could really be biding their time for that oh yeah i think that's true too i mean arena net proved with guild wars and all the expansions that that was a model that worked that nobody ever thought of i think they're nobody thought it would succeed they had yeah. really saturated the market for so long and now that there's starting to be a lot more tough competition yeah it'll be different yeah but anyway, I just think I, I think I think they're somewhat delusional here. Well, it's not even they're probably not delusional, but their their PR and their hype. It's it's just this is a hard one to market. I think to say, yeah, we're gonna do this thing for furries. And, <laughs> and there's no equivalent race. It's just a single neutral race. Right. It can be. A it's pender. not like the last one where you could be either a goblin or a worgen. Right. Which I've always preferred that type of expansion versus. The Lich King, the Death Knight thing, where it's like, well, you can be a Death Knight. Yeah. Which, for because of the Arthur single, it was kind of exciting, but that there wasn't an equivalent Alliance or Horde thing. It's like, everybody right, exactly. can be a Death Knight, which doesn't even really make sense to me, no, superficially. Yeah. And they're supposed to be, you know, everybody thought they'd, when they released, like, these epic classes, you know, that they'd be counter, countered by something. There'd be another expansion that had a... Yeah, yeah. Or, or even the same expansion, it'd be like... You know, and originally everybody thought there'd be like a death knight, and then on the other side it'd be the, the high mage guy or whatever. Yeah, you know, so you'd have, have made some sort of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there'd be, you know, you could either side could have that, but instead they just did what they did. So I don't know. I I really think that you know I'm I'm, I'm it's eight years old. It's got to be kind of the it's still the king. Of the I mean, ten point two million. Yeah. It's huge. 
But inevitably, the question is going to come up. The decision is going to be made to make the game free to play. Right. Because it's been that's been so successful, surprisingly successful for so many MMOs during the last few years. And the question was posed to this same senior producer via PC Gamer. And he said, if we went free to play, do you make more money? Do you make a ton more money? Maybe. Do you burn out players? Probably. I'm not saying we're never going free to play. We do that with the trial that we have right now, but we're really happy with the subscription model. We're doing really well. They are doing well. I mean, they're still doing well. They're still doing, what is it, like a factor of 100 better than most well, MMOs do? Yeah. Yeah, that so. would be a tough decision because free to play, they'd probably get more people playing it, and they'd certainly get a hell of a lot more hype. Yeah, but uh, would they actually make as much money as that consistent recurrent income from right. everybody who subscribed to it right now? So that, yeah. That's that would true. Be pretty tough. Uh, and it really depends on how you approach the free to play thing. If you, you know, there's so many ways you can do it wrong, and then mm -hmm. there's a few that have done it right. For instance, there's a, the standard cartoon about League of Legends where they're like. Yeah, it's the game that's free to play. And one guy's like, yeah, I've spent $400 on it. What about you? Yeah, about 500 <laughs> yeah, So exactly. it's like, you know, <laughs> some so people true. know how to do it and others uh, just never. Well, know. the free-to-play market is already getting uh, a little more crowded, and I think that's yeah. going to get significantly more crowded. And it, in, now with in-app purchases on, you know, with the phone, the mobile platforms, it's the yeah, same thing totally. with a yeah. different name. So, mm -hmm. you know, free to get into, but then... Is yeah, it but really then it's free? very expensive to continue. Yeah. Wow, two levels. That was great. Two out of 500 levels. <laughs> and now I can buy every se sequence of 20 of them for a dollar. Well, what's that going to you know? And something of the experience to that, uh, the free-to-play experience, you know, where you start playing, but then everything good, you know, costs some extra money. Is yeah. Kind of similar to, you know, some of the stuff you guys have been talking about about the direction that uh, DLC has been moving. Oh, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. Stuff that is really kind of essential to the game. It should have been part of the game is now something that costs, you know, extra after you've bought it. So Right. Or you can only get that DLC if you buy it new the first time. Right. And after that, it's non-transferable. Yes, exactly. That's so awesome. I love that. No, I don't. We've talked several times about what the new Xbox is going to be like and when is it going to come out. And there was a bevy of rumors that popped up during the last week, and I just wanted to see what like Bob's reactions were to it. A, a number of dropping rumors. Yes. <laughs> they just all popped up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, we've heard that the new Xbox may not even have a disk drive, and it will instead have some kind of solid-state media. Epic <coughs> fail. Like an SD card, <laughs> which seems really insane, because when I think of that, I only think of my DS. Or yes. a digital camera, maybe. Or or a smartphone. Oh yeah, a smartphone. But yeah. maybe even a tablet. Well, that does seem like an epic fail. Think of like all of the problems that the Xbox 360 had that were related to the drive. That is a good point. You know what I mean? But yeah. what, the optical drive problems were like the majority of the issues with it. Were they the majority of the issues? I didn't yeah. think the Red Ring of Death had anything to do with the optical drive. Did I don't know it? about the Red Ring of Death, but I mean, like so many people, like your Xbox. Was it the Red Ring of Death? Oh, no, you had something rattling around in it. Right? It was a heating thing, the heating element of the graphics, where the graphics cards were yeah, chipped. There was, was soldered to the motherboard. problems, I recall. Mine was, I don't mine recall was a lot drive. Of really, there were drivers. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. 
I hadn't heard too much issue. about drive problems. I'd heard a lot of heat-related issues, and yep. I thought that the Red Ring of Death, the original cause, had been identified as something heat-related. But I, I just think the big problem there would be, while while I think there's more of a shift to purchasing games online, and I think that's probably going to continue, right now a significant part of the demographic is still younger people, right? I mean, the, the, the demographic for gamers is aging as right. people who grow up with games age and continue to play, like, ourselves but uh, <laughs> but you know a significant amount of the folks who spend a lot of money and stuff still tend to be fairly young and so that tends to be a good market for physical media right but what if they could just buy you know flat i'm, I'm devil's advocate mm-hmm. it apparent, which isn't something i do very often but what if you they could just get a ton of like you know cheap flash thumb drives whatever that would be usb compatible if they bought thousands of them or the the different you know game distributors bought those to put the mm-hmm. games on as opposed to a, a that's still physical media i don't see how that's a whole lot different well it's not a moving part that's in oh, the not a moving part that, that takes us that would be really hysterical if that happened because that would take us right back to the days of the cartridges it is a cartridge it's a different that cartridge. would be really exactly. interesting yeah that would be really amusing if well because they wouldn't even have to be small like a usb thumb drive in right. a way i mean you could put any sort of shape yeah. or form factor around it yeah, just make it read only God, that would be so funny if the future of games was Back to the cartridge. Back to the cartridge. There could be a lot of things you could do with that, too, though, because yeah. with the cartridge, then you could have separate storage space on there. Faster yeah. uh, loading you know, time. Yeah, much faster loading time, which on just about every game would be well, that, a relief. That's the other thing, too, with the optical drives. I mean, the read only, or the reads, the read mode isn't, like, super fast compared yes, to We've them. all gotten used to our throbbing progress bars that just <laughs> throb away and don't actually move. And it's, you yes. Know, long... Uh, penetrating load times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really stretching it there. But yeah. uh, <laughs> moments of awkward <laughs> silence. <laughs> For once, not many. The best by one Mark. was non-intentional. <laughs> so anyway, very um, funny. Yeah, getting rid of those loading times would be excellent. That would be really, really interesting. The other thing I was going to say before you said that actually was that. The way it could work, maybe, is if they could make, um, you know, Xbox Live gift cards a little more ubiquitous the way that uh, iTunes gift cards are. And if anybody could do that, it would be Microsoft, since they have so many other products that they could potentially tie those into. Right. Although they've had a complete, utter failure with, you know, music, really. But but they could branch into, I mean, look at, it wasn't very long ago, what, probably, this time last year, uh, Google had no credible... um, store for music, for books, or for movies, and now they have all of those integrated into Google Play along with their apps. That's true, yeah. You know, and Microsoft already has a lot of PC stuff as well as, you know, web-based stuff and uh, uh, Xbox stuff. So potentially they could use all that, leverage that to make an Xbox Live gift card good, which would take care of that uh, younger pre-credit card demographic that would otherwise be alienated by not having physical media. So that could potentially work. I think, well, and I think, too, like the digital distribution model, the the advantage of that, too, is that, so right now when a game, when, when you're selling your product, you know, you have to, you know, pay money, money goes into the packaging and everything goes into the distribution. Um, if people could just like digitally sign up for the game and it could be downloading, you know, transparently in the background or something, which, you know, right now Xbox has a horrible facility for background downloading. I mean, that is probably the only thing, the single only thing that the Wii did 
better than better. the 360. Yeah. Is that nice kind of background downloading oh, yeah. where the system was otherwise in some sort of sleep mode? Right. If they could do that and have that always ready, then you could be signed up to multiple games uh, for you know digital distribution. They could already be streamed down to your console, ready to be unlocked on the night of the release at midnight. And then there wouldn't be any, you know, storming of the local um, Best Buy <laughs> store or whatever, or people that get feel they got ripped off because they didn't get the collector's edition. Or, on on the know. other hand, the storming of the Best Buy store is great PR for getting into the news, yeah. which yeah. Is, is really good for, for the producers of AAA games. But bad for the players. <laughs> it is bad for the players, you're right. <laughs> you know. Um, the decisions are made by the... Right. You know, by the publishers and by Microsoft, not really so much directly by the players, but... But if they were clever, they'd just have a hybrid thing where it's like, well, you get the box with the map and the little, mm -hmm. the little, um, you know, what, what else, what, what are they, not lead, they're not, the little lead figure, but it's... Pewter? Pewter. Pewter, yeah. Pewter figure or something. Yeah. yeah, you know, I always remember the old, like, uh, what was it, Ultima 7 came, well, a lot of the Ultima games, but I particularly remember on Ultima 7, it had the big clop map, and it had right. the little pewter figure. And oh, everything. yeah, the Avatar Ankh. Yeah. The, you oh, know, that's what it was. It was the Ankh, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, all those cool things. You could still do that, and, you know, you still would have the game all ready to go, but just you wouldn't have any media to install. Or yeah. maybe you could have that, too. But I just think it, I don't think it's the worst idea to not have a... Uh, optical drive. Not the worst. I do think it would pro if it's coming out anytime soon. Yeah. It would probably be jumping the gun. Right. Uh, you know, kind of like the uh, when the next step boxes came out and they didn't have any uh, uh, magnetic external removable media. All they had was a CD drive, and people were like, "CDs! Nobody will ever be able to afford an entire CD for an application. Yeah, this is ridiculous." Crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know obviously it was the way everything was moving, but it was. Too far, way ahead. too far ahead of its time, and so nobody was actually willing to go there at that time. Right. So, I think we'll see more of the digital distribution. But if it's coming out anytime soon, it'd be a pretty bold move to release it with no drive. If they do a drive, I'd like it to be a Blu-ray, so then you don't have to. That would seem entirely logical, considering. I mean, when the PS3 and the 360 came out, Blu-ray was pretty cutting edge, pretty yeah. expensive. Supposedly, was a big reason behind a lot of the. Uh, you know the expense of the PS3 and everything, right. but now it's like now it would seem like a natural, right? Fifty dollar thing or twenty dollar? <laughs> yeah, they're they're probably cheaper now than DVD drives were when the 360 came out. So it seems pretty logical, I would think. So it was interesting you bringing up uh, when we'll potentially see this and the whole digital only being unlikely. An analyst happens to agree with you, Bob. Oh yay! <laughs> and that would be then. Doug Krutz of Cohen <laughs> and Company, <laughs> who believes that it's actually the systems could be launching in the fall of next year, in t fall of 2013. But he also believes that it's unlikely that it's going to be a digital-only system, given risks to both Microsoft's market share and the gaming ecosystem as a whole from any attempt to kill used games. Yeah, because when you look at it, if they launch it with an optical drive, a traditional drive like they've got, or something like your, uh, you know, rebirth of the cartridge system, yeah. which I I'm still loving that idea. <laughs> but then then they can play both directions, whichever way the market goes. Right? If if physical media still continues to dom to kind of dominate, they right. they're still there, but they can still be working the digital distribution angle and 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 pushing more on that because obviously there's a lot of high profits there. So they can play both sides of the field. If uh, they release it disc only and, let's say, Sony 
du or sorry, digital only, and Sony releases a more traditional cartridge or system right. with a disc and digital downloads that they could falter behind because of that. Yeah. So it seems like it would be more risky for them. Now, one rumor that this analyst didn't address is that also the system apparently, in addition to having Connect 2.0 full integration and being potentially required, it may also have a touchscreen tablet controller, much like Wii U. But what is interesting about that angle is that it kind of plays into something that some developers who were interviewed over on CVG, what their, were ho what their hopes were for next-gen systems. Over at Epic Games, Rod Ferguson said he'd like to have the ability to play anywhere and any time. Find some way to bring that all together so that I can play whatever what I want to wherever it is, wherever it is that I am. And then over at Supergiant Games, who made Bastion, I would love a clear way that digital games could be a big part of this always connected console that you could very easily access content from a, from big AAA studios to small independent ones. And then David Jaffe, who made Twisted Metal, said, I'd like it to be always on like my PSP or DS. A barrier for entry for me as I get older is going through all the logos and loading bullshit. Yeah, that that would be nice to be able to get directly to gameplay. But um, going on that whole tablet concept, though, it would be interesting if... Because PS4 is also apparently rumored to have a tablet controller, too. Um, if these systems delivered on the concept that I had originally hoped Wii U would have, which was you can take this tablet controller to Starbucks and it could be playing full AAA console games on this tablet controller, which is a hybrid of tactile yeah. controls and a tablet, wherever you go. We use limitation as you have to be basically within the broadband range of right. console. And, and my thought on that is if it could range. run entirely on the tablet, the AAA title. Then that should, that you, is the console, right? Right. What do you need the Xbox 360 or the exactly. PS3 for? At that point, you're trying to compete with the iPad. Oh. And... Uh, and of course, with the attendant problems that you know people are still trying to figure out effective controls for any sort of action game on a tablet or a phone. I'm curious so what I you think guys think. Though, would you like likely. to be able to do that? Would you like to be able to take your console games with you anywhere you anywhere you went? There are definitely some times I think it would be really cool. Even if you were only within range of like your home Wi-Fi system, it'd be kind of cool just to go to any room in the house. You know, your uh, you know getting ready for a bed or something and you just wanted to, to check a few things. Yeah. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, that would probably be where a lot of people would end up playing it since I, I think that's, yeah. you know, Angry Birds is, uh, you know, primary yeah. primary play area is people are always <laughs> playing it in the restrooms and things like that. But uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I just don't, I, I'm, I'm really going to be surprised if they come out with a tablet controller. It's expensive and it doesn't seem like it add much adds much to games. But then again, you know, the Connect has been hugely successful. It's expensive, and outside of Dance Central, it pretty much sucks for <laughs> most games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. who knows on that? Mark? Oh, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting thought. I, I think I like I like <clears throat> I like the, my idea of the return of the cartridge and. Uh, yeah. USB thumb drive. Uh, I, I I do yeah. love that. Yeah. It's like because it takes out of it takes the, all the problems out of like if it's I mean you can have a really big Blu-ray based game, but it's like you know you'd have the faster access. You would have you know cheap to produce. Um, mm -hmm. Could be pretty advantageous. Like I think one of you were saying, you could actually have save game mm -hmm. content on it too. 
Yeah. yeah and I don't exactly. know if that'd be worthwhile having some sort of writable memory on it, but it's, yeah. you know, it's an interesting idea. Maybe somebody could do something with it. I you think, know? too, it'd be cool if the console makers would um, use, like, hybrid drives for the um, for the inside, you know, hard drive like yes exactly so, so oh yeah you know what I mean? no so, kidding yeah. so you have those freaking failures of the hard drives yeah if it was solid state that'd be awesome or if, Easy if that's cost prohibitive if it's like you know a huge chunk of it's solid state and then the rest is mechanical mm-hmm. would be yeah nice. that would be really really because interesting load times suck i mean yes on my 360 i'm amazed at how long it takes to load up some things sometimes and mm-hmm. i really don't understand how it can take that long well, I can because of what it's pulling it from. It's like right. a 5,400 RPM hard drive because you don't want heat issues and an optical drive that is, you know, slow as hell. Yeah, I mean, in some ways this is so totally first world problems, but on the other hand, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it is an annoyance that there's something in between you and your game. And, you know, you have a lot of other things to do. You know, there's a lot yeah. of other choices on what to do with your time these days. So. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, nowadays it seems ridiculous that we ever put up with having to rewind the damn VCR tapes. Oh, God, yeah. My yeah. God, was that ever a pain in the ass process, right? Oh, yeah. Or, you know, like back in the old days of um, computer games where you'd have to play a tape on a tape drive. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, man. Those, take, that's, that's, you're really showing your age there, Gramps. First, but, first yeah. world problems. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, back, I, I forget one of the um, games for the, uh, it was like, I think it was for the Commodore 64. Even if you had the floppy drive, it would still take forever just to get into the game. You're talking oh, like yeah. five minutes to load the game. Well, floppy, wow. some of the early floppy-based games were so slow. And you yeah. remember some of them you would have to, load the first disc and then insert this yeah flip it or insert the second disc or something like that and it was just mind-bogglingly slow yeah total first world problems but still there's definitely room for you know improving like the hybrid this is a first world podcast yes totally but you know uh left out in there you had three different developers that you were quoting and one of them was talking about more access to uh content where you could get both AAA developers and And indie stuff more indie stuff and obviously i might be biased because you know i kind of dabble around with the attempting to someday release an indie game <laughs> but um you know if you look at something like again minecraft which we talked about earlier which is just so revolutionary in its gameplay you don't really uh, despite the many minecraft wannabe clones on <laughs> the xbox live marketplace oh, yeah. you don't see a lot of that stuff originating in the xbox ecosystem uh, that's <laughs> really the last bastion of where pc gaming still kind of dominates is in anything new and innovative. League of Legends is another good example, right? The right. the yeah. whole uh, free-to-play, you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, microtransaction model is flourishing on the PC, but not nearly as much on the, the Xbox, because it had to be proven on the PC before they would add the platform support for it on the Xbox yeah, to obviously. work. But then you look at, you know, on the mobile side with, you know, the, the Apple App Store and... Uh, you know, the Google Play, even before they started really adding official support within their platform for it, people were already starting to do in, in-app in transactions. Right. And so there was still a lot more innovation on that side of the platform. You know, if you could get the sort of easy access to indie games that you have in uh, the iPhone App Store or, the, the, or Google Play, right. that if you could get that onto the Xbox, you know, we might see a lot more innovative, really interesting titles and not a lot of games that are like, didn't I play this already oh, but yeah. it had a different setting 
some of the innovative titles for the Xbox thus far are like the ones that have come down from indie publishers that mm-hmm. are digitally yeah. distributed. Definitely. You know? So, yeah, good point. It's just not enough of them. Yeah, not enough of them. They don't get enough exposure. They're kind of banished to a little ghetto on Xbox Live. And yes. <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> no matter how many ghetto. times they redesign it. So yeah, they, and they keep pushing it further down and further down. You want to go here? Our icon to represent it is a scorched wasteland. Yeah. Would you like to try it? No, if you do try it, we have to tell you, your experiences may suck. Yeah. I honestly think that every time there's a successful indie title on there, they get pressure from the AAA developers to Make push more, that stuff further down. More and more obscure. Yeah. yeah. How can you let these we, pipsqueaks, you we've know? We've re- removed the search facility from the indie title selection. Right. So you'll have to know the exact name. And you'll have to have the case correct as well. <laughs> and the case correct. <laughs> Proper spacing and punctuation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this episode wouldn't be complete with a continuation of the Mass Effect 3 Trials and Tribulations. That's next. First, we'll take a little break and do a dance party. Last week, all the craziness that was going on related to Mass Effect 3's ending and the reaction from the players, not from the critics and the press, who were totally fine with it just one week before that. Well, these angry people, whether they're a vocal minority or greater than a minority, decided to get even more, get even crazier this week with one gamer, who on the Bioware forums goes by the name El Spico, making a formal complaint to the Federal Trade Commission about the game and its ending. (laughs) And he said on the forums, after reading through the list of promises about the ending of the game they made and their advertising campaign and PR interviews, it was clear that the product we got did not live up to any of those claims. This is not something I was happy to do, but after the terrible ending that was in no way the product that had been (laughs) advertised to me and the lack of any kind of response from Bioware slash EA to address this, I felt it was one of my only recourses. We didn't read it. recourse, as opposed to simply selling your used copy of the game and recommending to other people not to buy the game or something more sane along those lines. Yeah. So Bioware has been in full damage control mode from last week on, and while there wasn't a direct response made about this little stunt on Facebook the same day, Bioware posted, We are aware that there are concerns about a recent post from this account regarding the ending of the game. In this post, it was stated that at this time, we do not have any plans to change the ending. We would like to clarify that we are actively and seriously taking all player feedback into consideration and have ruled nothing out. At this time, we are still collecting and considering your feedback and have not made a decision regarding requests to change the ending. Of course, keep telling us how you feel. And then, one of the doctors himself ended up putting a post on Bioware's website with at one point saying that the criticisms of the game, we love to hear what everybody's having to say, but some criticisms criticisms are destructive, not constructive, <laughs> and we will no longer be listening <clears throat> to you destructive people. But some more that was a direct quotes response. from Dr. Dr. Ray Musica. I love the picture that is in this article, too. He looks very he concerned. He looks like you have just... Have you have just asked his daughter out on a date. <laughs> you, you're ten years older than she is, and you yeah, have man, tattoos. Man, you're going to have to clean up your room. Yeah, you pulled up on exactly. a motorcycle with no helmet. 
And he looks very concerned. <laughs> yeah, so he said in this post that Mark's alluding to that the team is actively working on quote-unquote game content initiatives to answer lingering questions that some fans may have about the story and provide more closure. Ah. And specifically said, we're working hard to maintain the right balance between the artistic integrity of the original story while addressing the fan feedback we received. This is in addition to our existing plan to continue providing new Mass Effect content and new full games. So rest assured that your journey in the Mass Effect universe can and will continue. Keep buying, we're sorry. So the, yeah, there's conspiracy theorists out there who say this has always been part of the plan, as Jason said earlier, indirectly, that they've always planned on having this controversial ending. They've always planned on selling us DLC that was going to address or patch this. And Dr. Musica is saying, no, 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 this is in addition to all of that. And we're, our feelings are really hurt by all the anger because Dr. Musica still said, he reiterates several times in his post that this is the best game we've ever made. <laughs> and I really want you guys to believe that. It's just horribly misunderstood. Seem to disagree. Much like Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> People just didn't understand what he was about. He horribly a, misunderstood. He only yes. wanted to relocate people to give them a better life. Yes, sure. Uh, I can't believe you went there, though. That's pretty crazy. But oh, the, 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 the Hitler analogy already. The that's not the first time. Godwind. Yeah. He, I always go to him when I'm you know, <laughs> feeling passionate about somebody who's <laughs> doing bullshit. It tends to tends to just come to me, you know. You think bullshit, you think Hitler. I, when I think bullshit, I think Hitler, yeah. Or anyone who would say that he was not the most right. evil being to ever roam the earth. But, oh. So yeah, that seems like a. If that was a manufactured controversy, it seems like it was a pretty dumb one because it seems like, you know, it <laughs> to a lot of people it's going to undermine their confidence that, you know, the next Mass Effect title, whether it's a new game or DLC, is actually going to be worthwhile. I think yeah. people are going to be more likely to pause before shelling out money for another Mass Effect title which I would think is the opposite from what they want, but, you know. Well, that I'm potentially no could happen with genius. Dragon Age title. What's that? It could potentially happen with other Bioware games, like the next Dragon Age, if they were going to make another Jade Empire game. That's a very, very Well, uh, one of the point. things that we had talked about a while back was when we saw their roadmap, their schedule was like 18-month development cycle for these games, right? Yeah. And we were, That's short. We were like, that is, you know, to have the... To continue the, to raise the bar or maintain the bar as far as great, you know, writing, great story content, you know, we, we had said that they were going to probably run into trouble if they tried to maintain that plan. Yeah. Unless sure they were enough. going to very much shorter kind of semi-episodic games, you know, with uh, Which, the way like Valve did with uh, Half-Life, you know, Episode 1, oh 2, and yeah. 3. Although they're still on more of an 18-year development cycle. With there, that one, yeah, it seems to have just kind of... 18-year... <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping to get to play episode three before I die of old age. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that that 18 month thing seems kind of ridiculous if you're talking about full length games. If you're not talking about some sort of you know, Zynga level, you know, less right. game or something like that. Yeah, 18 months. Is I haven't played Mass Effect three. I don't think any of us have to the end. Not yet. No. Don't even own it. Scott finished it. Southern Fred Scott during the last week, and he said he could kind of see that people might be upset, but he was generally okay with it, and he didn't see why people were complaining the, the way that they were. Yeah. And I think the gist that I got from his reaction is kind of similar to Tears, and kind of similar to how I feel about it, even though I haven't gone down the path yet. 
um, is that it's the game's ending and Bioware, whether you like the ending or not, I mean, there's been so many movies we've seen, there's books we've read, there's all sorts of stuff out there that has endings that people have disagreed with. Endings, yeah. beginnings, middles. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, it just it comes with the territory. possibly be, you know, a bigger steaming pile of shit than like Transformers 2. No, no, right. nothing. I mean, so, yeah, that's that's now he's incredibly that bad. Or, or the second Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. movie, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. talk about huge, disappointing sequels, especially Pirates. Uh, but oh yeah. So well, yeah, I mean, just the fact that it's a disappointing sequel and people are willing to take that to the and FTC, I feel like they're which feeling empowered. do they even have any sort of governance power over video game developers? I that, don't know about that. That might be news to me. How can you how can you quantify a story? I mean, well, he's, like, he's making it's a false advertising claim. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and that I think that is kind of uh, where Bioware screwed up on that is that they made these grandiose claims about it's the greatest game we've ever released, and didn't they say it was going to have like sixteen or eighteen or something? Yeah, apparently like that it does have endings. like sixteen or eighteen endings. Yeah, but it sounds like they're, from what people are saying, they're fairly trivially different. Yeah, there's three primary, primarily based right? On where they were saying that these were going to be massively different. Right. And of course, Player people believed that because the game had been that. the previous two games had had so much depth. Right. In the, it the didn't gameplay. seem that much of a stretch. Right. So. It's kind of creepy that this that gamers aren't shutting up. No. Whether this is a min- vocal minority or it's a vocal majority, they're continuing and they're getting crazier because it seems like they they think they're going to get what they want. Yeah. And it, what I'm seeing increasingly on the press side is like, this is a bad idea. You guys shouldn't be doing this. And game developers are also saying the same thing. For instance, Ken Levine, who is over at Irrational Games, works on the Bioshock games, which were highly praised for their mm-hmm. storyline. He's got a really story-intense game coming up with Bioshock Infinite. He's really concerned about what's going on here. And his prediction is, he said, I think if those people got what they wanted and Bioware wrote their ending, they would be very disappointed in the emotional feeling they got because they didn't really create it. I think this whole thing is making me a little bit sad because I don't think anyone would get what they wanted if this happened. And he continued that if computer games are art, then I fully endorse the author of the artwork to have a statement about what they believe should happen. Just as J.K. Rowling can end her books and say that's the end of Harry Potter, I don't think she should be forced to make another one. I think yeah. And that's, that's, that's a very good point. And even, but then you also you look at this era of George Lucas who just keeps going back and tweaking and changing and tweaking and tweaking. And it's, it's weird. It's like we have this culture where it happens and people get really pissed off when it happens. And then there's instances where people don't like something and they're demanding that it be, that's going to be changed. And right. I really do think that the George Lucas thing is an interesting long. comparison because, you know, fans universally hate the, the change in who shot first, for yeah. example, but you know, Lucas isn't likely to change it. Yeah. Um, it is the artist's vision for better or for worse. And, if you don't like it, go find a different artist or make your own art. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So. Well, what I'm finding interesting is they do seem to be getting crazier and crazier about it because they already felt like they were empowered enough having played through three games from Bioware with an average value of, I don't know, what would you say? It's about $210 at 70 bucks a title new, right? right. Not what I would ever pay because I buy everything used. But um, <laughs> in any case, I'm thinking that they are feeling so entitled and they're actually starting to see Bioware start to placate them in a way. It's like, is one of them, is somebody going to go really off the rails and do something crazy, crazy? Like, you know, come out in Times Square with a, you know, 
dynamite vest. (laughs) (laughs) Freedom! You know, it's like... Something overly... I don't know if anybody will ever do anything real, though. I mean, this is one of those internet rage campaigns where nobody's going to actually get off of their actual computer desk chair or their sofa or whatever. Oh, I'm so upset about the way Mass Effect 3 ended, but I got to... You know what? I'm gonna write this hate mail. No, yeah. No, I'm gonna write looking. this. I'm gonna angry. try and I'm gonna try and end that. Again. The internet facilitates <laughs> that kind of bullshit behavior. Oh, I'm gonna write this angry Reddit response, and then I'm gonna go eat some Cheetos, and then I'm gonna go play some more Mass Effect Three. Cause I don't know, I I hate it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's like it's so weird. It's, I can see dis- be dis- being disappointed that it wasn't as good as the other it titles, or it wasn't everything it was. To make it but happy. No. Yeah, just accept that it sucked and move on yeah hope that mass effect 4 which you will not those of you who are this vocal minority or majority will not be able to refuse buying that as well on day one <laughs> or yeah or learn from your mistake and wait to buy mass yeah. effect 4 until you yeah. actually hear if it's you know really worth Let it somebody get through like i don't know if you guys saw it but there's a he's my, there's not so a, temperamental and fragile oh yeah be yeah. the one to buy it at the first day and yeah <laughs> There's a YouTube video, it's 860 screenshots that basically tell the story that one person was playing because she kept, just kept taking mad screenshots Holy all the cow, way through it. wow. And so it just goes through that. And I watched, like, first two minutes of it, and I was like, I can't follow this. It's too un- It's too spaced out, you know? You just don't no know. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's... It's a weird. This is really weird because Bioware yeah. always, I think, puts story first, mm-hmm. and apparently, you know, in this one, they've, they've never really been alienated these it. hardcore players. Of That's probably part of it too. Is they've always had a reputation for having such right. great stories that, and then for them to hype this up as their greatest one ever. Yeah, and it turned out to, you know. Be Jar Jar Binks. It's the Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah, that you know that's that's probably part of it. But yeah, it is. I mean, it's even if you bought it new, it's a sixty dollar game. People get over it, move yeah. on with your life. Yeah, come down off the tower. Right. Yeah. Go ahead and sell it. Yeah. Give it a bad review. Tell your friends not to buy it. Which is what's happening on over on Amazon. On. Because oh, it started out, it was like five stars, and now it's down to like three and a half, three. Or something that's I just I have not even down. dared to look at Metacritic recently. Oh, I bet, yeah. It's another home we'll of... Take a look here before we... Lame bait reviews. ...end our evening of, of podcasting glory. Let's see here. This should be interesting. Mass Effect. And while I'm at this all, buy some gold in... Uh... <laughs> just like the... Uh, the... Wow. World of Warcraft podcaster. Mass Effect 3, critically acclaimed at 93. Out of 100. User score, 4.8. Wow. So the critics who play the first four minutes would seem to indicate they enjoy it quite a bit. Those yes. are some glorious four to ten minutes of gameplay. I know it's probably an hour of a thing, but I like to just pick on the critics. But, yeah, the... Wow, I didn't even know you could give it a zero. Oh, yeah. Wow. So basically you have 473 people who gave it between a 0 and 5, and, and 528 people who have given it between a 7 and 10. I'd be curious to know how many of those people have never actually played it, but were just reading in Felt you know, Reddit slash gaming about how awful it was. Yeah. I hate jump it! Jump in on the internet lynch mob. You're right. So true. 
Listeners, if you have more to talk about on this topic or something happens during the next week that you want to react to about it, or the next Xbox, or any of the many other items that we talked about, yeah. send them in to mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. And thank you very much, Bob, Yeah, for joining us. Thank Bob, you for actually, having me. I we, enjoyed it. We doubly appreciate it because we had a, like a co-host cancellation, so we were in a bit of a pinch and gave you short notice. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming through and succeeding. Always great to hang out with you Winning. We appreciate it. Listeners, we hope you like this episode. Let us know what you think of us on iTunes and over on the website. Thank you, as always, for listening to our show. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.